while we're waiting for that, I want to uh, request that everyone goes to hankstrange.com. That's the best way to support us. Go there, sign up for our email list. You can also um, see all the different ways to support us. We've got like links to our merch stores, etc. Lola throws up uh, deals on there. It's called Lola's Deals. She's got daily deals, all kinds of good stuff. If you if you if you need to buy something and you buy it through those links, you help us pay the bills around here. So uh, I just want to point everyone in that direction. Um, also, you can check out Ballistic Inc. That's where you can get our T-shirts. Like I've got the Gun Nerd T-shirt and other things going on there so you guys could check that out as well all right i think we're ready to go here first of all i want to do a big shout out to harry's holsters the sponsor of our show tonight thanks very much to harry's holsters makers of fine kydex holsters shout out to harrison out there thanks for the support okay i think we're ready to do this we've we've got the man the myth the legend hanging out with us right now reed Hendricks. reed you know we do jazz hands come on <laughs> i know you're a big tough guy you got to do jazz, the jazz hands. But you listen, you got a man bun, so you could do jazz hands. I don't have a man bun anymore, my oh, friend. Look at, oh, look at my hair. Breaking, it's too hot up here. Breaking news. <laughs> what happened to that thing? Man, it's been, it gone? Gone. <laughs> it's been gone for a while. You know, really? I mean, I work on, oh, man, I've been working on the tractor. I've been working on everything. So. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's been, so, so that must have happened because I haven't actually seen you in person in like two years. So that's happened in the last two years? That's happened like, yeah, I mean, not that long. Well, I don't know. Yeah. I don't keep a track on it, yeah. but I just yeah. know that. I mean, I'm uh, not hating. I'm not hating. You know You know what I'm saying? You're still macho. You're still macho. You know, one, one way or the other. Macho. I don't, you know, that's that's a word I don't know too many people have, have described yeah. me as being. Yeah. But, uh, macho, manly, macho man, Reed Hendricks. I almost wore that shirt. I've got a, I've got a purple macho man shirt. Oh, I almost you do? Wore it. Oh, yeah. macho man, Randy Savage. That's, yeah, yeah, that's my boy. Okay, so listen, let's do this thing. We are live. I hope you guys have your big girl panties on. This is episode 539 of the Who Moved My Freedom podcast. The title is Responding to Emergencies with Reed Hendricks of Valor Ridge. Boom, there he goes. My friend of a long time. Um, it's good to see you again. I know you were chastising me a little bit because I haven't, I haven't uh, been over to the Ridge to do some training in a minute. It's been crazy around here, man. But I, I miss, I miss Valor Ridge, you know. Well, we, uh, we've been very blessed. Mm -hmm. I've just been very blessed uh, to have the kind of students that we've had mm -hmm. this the last. And now we're on our sixth year, so. Wow. Uh, it's it's pretty crazy. You blink and then life goes Dude, by. Six years already. Six years already. Yeah. No. Yeah, 20, yeah, we, we started 2015, so oh. 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 2020. Wow. Yeah. Wow. We're getting old. <laughs> I, I feel I feel like I did when I was about 25. You did? So okay, I, good. I, good. Yeah. You're, you're looking good, looking good, you know. Staying I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good. I, I mean, I'm feeling, I'm feeling the best that I've had in years. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, just, just really being able to – to do amazing stuff and mm -hmm. when you realize like, you know when you first start a business you realize it's like oh man this is a heck of a risk mm -hmm. but um yeah no, I've, I've just i've learned to, to just let go and, and trust the lord and mm -hmm. uh just had amazing friends and amazing mm -hmm. people in my life so i'm just happy man amen man amen um i you know i it is it is a tough thing when you do this and when you make like a big investment like you did in the ridge uh how many what is it what do you have out there like 80 acres yeah, 82 acres. Yeah. 82 acres. Uh, so yeah. much work 
I mean, you were just saying I wouldn't recognize the place. There's so much work that's gone into it. What's the improvements that you've added in the last uh, two years, man, since the last time I've been able to get up there and do something? We um, definitely we widened the range. We uh, added to our concrete up there about uh, 10 to 5 yards. Okay. Uh, we've, we've added more steel, more berm work. Mm-hmm. Um, we always try to enhance the place and, and make it better for each class I, I know i always do and mm-hmm. uh, you know it's just it's just constant improvements and um yeah i mean we it, we added a shoot house oh, okay so, yeah so shoot house that's that's cool so uh, are you living full-time on the range now or oh yeah definitely okay. awesome awesome definitely did you yeah. have you put up a video of a tour like a range tour or anything like that have you had a chance to do any of that <laughs> I haven't. I'm a, oh, okay. I'm a pretty, I'm a pretty private guy, man. I, I know. You, know, I, you know, I'm an introverted person in general. Really, I, you know, really, yeah, really. I mean, it's, it's amazing. You'd be surprised how much energy it takes out of me, you know, yeah. to, to just do a class yeah. or even do a podcast. I, mm-hmm. I'm a very private person. I'm used mm-hmm. to be, you know, I'm used to being in solitude and, and that's where mm-hmm. a lot of the ideas come from. But yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know if I want to show a bunch of people a, a video tour of my place. Maybe, Maybe that's for the students that come. <laughs> oh, okay. I well, I you are a private person. I understand. Like I know people are not going to believe this. I'm incredibly introverted. Oh yeah. I'm very very introverted. Yes, I can get up. I can talk to people. I can do all that stuff. I'm kind of like uh, a little bit outrageous and obnoxious. <laughs> but for the most <laughs> part, I'm very I'm a very very introverted person. I do like one of the things, and I was thinking about you today because um, so. I put up this video yesterday called uh, "Losing Out Friday," and we can get into that if you if you want to. And then when I was responding to some people on the comments of that, you know, we were talking about freedom because that's basically what it is. It's about like losing our freedom. And I was telling them, you know, like the 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 fires of freedom have to be fed often, you know. And when I was saying that, I was thinking about you because. I really came to like this. The fire is a powerful thing. And we've got a video, I think, where we you and I were just sitting there like looking at the fire. I know that's a big deal for you. It's a big thing for you. And that like goes back, I guess, to the caveman days. Um, Recently, like maybe a couple of months ago, Lola and I, we were working on my property and we made for the first time I made my own fire out there, man. And Lola and I were just sitting around the fire, and I was like, this is really powerful, just sitting out here in the fire. And, and, and I really started doing that, hanging out with you. <laughs> We've been doing this for thousands of years. I mean, mm-hmm. when you sit out and you, you know, burn wood that you cut or found. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you're right about freedom. I mean, it is a fire. It has to be maintained. It's, mm-hmm. you know, Benjamin Franklin always said, a republic, if you can keep it. Mm-hmm. You know, we mm-hmm. don't just get to sit back and and be lazy slothful people and do nothing we shouldn't we shouldn't we should not yeah. be yeah yeah i mean that's not what this country was designed for mm-hmm. this country wasn't designed for takers mm-hmm. you know this this country was designed for hard-working spiritual people mm-hmm. for a higher purpose hmm. and i don't know in the history of the world that there's been a better country mm-hmm. and i don't know anywhere else to go i that couldn't would i couldn't think of one no, I yeah. mean, there's nowhere else to go. I don't, yeah. you know, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else. I don't see myself living anywhere else. But what makes America what it is isn't the president. You know, what makes this country great isn't even necessarily what's come before us, although that's a template. Mm-hmm. What makes this country great is 
and I hate that phrase, like, like make America great again. Like America has never stopped being great. The only thing that stopped being great was, was the desire for people to remain free mm-hmm. rather than comfortable. Mm-hmm. You cannot be, you, it, it's this weird dynamic. People need to understand something. You cannot be resting on your laurels and then say, oh, well, someone else will do it. Like, l- l- look at, look at all, how many people want to defer responsibility today. Mm-hmm. It's sickening. It's mm-hmm. sickening. I would never ask anybody to do something for me that I'm not willing to do for myself or have done for myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when I when I look at about freedom and you talk about uh, keeping that fire going, you have to tend the fire. Mm-hmm. You have to mm-hmm. you have to constantly tend it. Yeah. Well, you have to constantly tend freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- this idea that we can sit back and, and expect other people to fix this. Someone will do it for us. Yeah. Yeah. Or or if we just, you know, if we just get the right people in office, Mm -hmm. the office is the problem. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's the thing. You know what? That's an interesting thing that I don't, uh, I know I don't talk about that a lot on the uh, podcast, but the, the whole idea of make America great again, I know it set off a lot of people out there. And then at the same time, it kind of like, um, it, I, I guess it inspired some people, um, yeah, that's a that's a that's something I guess maybe we should talk about a little bit because I believe that you're right. America's always been great. I know that's a great rallying cry. It's a it's a great thing. It's it, it brought Trump into the White House and everything. And I'm not mad at him about that, but I think it's true. America has always been great. And it's you know, it doesn't mean that it's been perfect, right? That's the beauty of the English language. It doesn't mean it's been perfect, but it's been getting better. And sometimes some things have gotten worse, but we have to keep working on that. It's a lot like a fire, man. I hate to keep bringing that up, but I think that concept just like stuck in my brain, you know, since the first time I came up there to train with you and we like after a long, hard day out there training and shooting and and, and talking to the people and, and doing all this kinds of stuff. You and I like stayed up, I don't know, till th- two, three, four o'clock in the morning just talking around the fire. And and somehow that fire was like feeding our motivation to catch up with each other and talk about all these things. And, and we, we, we went to like deep places there was, and there was no no ganja or anything like that being, <laughs> being smoked up there. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. I, that's, that's, uh, I'm more yeah. of a moonshine guy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't think you know, I didn't it, see any moonshine either, but yeah. Well, you didn't, you didn't ask. Yeah. yeah. Oh, see, well, I don't, I don't even, I don't even drink a lot because I can't, if I drink, if I would have had some moonshine, I would have been knocked out right there. You just it's have to okay. throw a blanket over me. But what, so let, let's, can we expand on that a little bit? Like for the people who think, you know, cause I know some people got really upset on one side of the, you know, if we think about the, the whole aisle thing in America drives me crazy, right? Left, right. So I know some people got upset about make America great again. And some people got maybe like, uh, I don't know. I, I don't want to say inspired, but we could say inspired by it. What, what do you really think about that whole make America great again thing? Well, I mean, you have to ask yourself if, if the slogans make America great again, what, what was it that made it not great in, in his opinion? You know, what to me, what what makes America less is mm-hmm. more government. Right. True. So so the more True. the more government we have, the less great America becomes, because mm-hmm. this country isn't about the government. I mean, our, yeah. our foundational charter uh, the Declaration of Independence talks about the role of government, and the role of government is to protect our life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Mm-hmm. Pursuit of happiness, of course, being our property. Mm-hmm. So the life, our right to life, means we have a right to live our life and the right to protect it. Mm-hmm. 
liberty, I mean, I don't know if anybody even understands what liberty actually is. Liberty is is having a coercion-free existence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, of course, the pursuit of happiness, uh, Jefferson borrowed from Locke, his second treatise on government. He talks about um, property, well, the right mm-hmm. to acquire and improve property. So government is, is only – the only reason we give consent to government is to protect those three things. Mm-hmm. So what happens when they become the greatest violator of all mm-hmm. three of those things, right? Mm-hmm. So that, that's what, to me, has is what – I mean, the Declaration of Independence was such a radical document, and in many ways, I, perf- I, I, I admire the Declaration of Independence far more than the Constitution. Okay. You know, and it's not like I dislike the Constitution, but, but let's be honest. The purpose of the Constitution was to restrict and limit government. It's a right. blueprint against government. Yeah. From the beginning, I, I, we, we were hurt? meant to have we were meant to have small government. I know. So, like in this situation that we're going through right now, and and even in this, when I was commenting or responding to comments, there was a guy who said, "Look, you know, I understand what you're saying about freedom, but right now with everything going on in the world, you know, I'm really worried about this, and you know, maybe the government has to do something." And and I was like, "Yeah, but you know, it's funny, like when we fought when America fought for independence, right?" You know, George Washington could have easily become a king. Am I wrong about that? He could have easily become a king, but he, no. he decided not to. You know, because that w- wasn't that the whole reason why we were doing it. So if there's something terrible happening and we have to fight back against it, which we're doing, the whole point of it is not we're not fighting back against it so that we have more government or more people minding us and more rules and restrictions on us, right? <laughs> If you if, if people look at history honestly and they they ask themselves this question, mm-hmm. when does tyrannical government happen? Does it happen when people are unafraid and happy and prosperous and the economy is exploding and everybody's wealthy or at least getting wealthier? Is that when tyranny happens? Or does tyranny happen when there has to be emergency powers granted to a mm-hmm. small group of people? Mm-hmm. I, I look throughout history. I, I look at the excuses people made in the Roman Republic for Julius Caesar. Mm-hmm. And of course, it became the Roman Empire with Julius Caesar. Mm-hmm. You know, Julius Caesar was loyal, you know, to the Roman Republic, right? Mm-hmm. You shall not cross the Rubicon. It's forbidden for legions to cross the Rubicon. Well, it was until it wasn't. Mm-hmm. And then he declared himself dictator for life. Mm-hmm. I, I, I look at examples throughout history. I mean, look at what the entire Look at what the entirety of the Middle Ages was. It was crisis after crisis after mm-hmm. crisis after crisis. Oh, we got to protect ourselves against the Vikings. We got to protect ourselves against the Muslims. We got to protect ourselves against other fiefdoms trying to overtake our power. So we're going to give, 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 give mm-hmm. our property, give our liberty, give up everything. That's that's the entirety of the Middle Ages. It's over, it's very general and oversimplistic, but that's what it was. Mm-hmm. You know, bring bring us into uh, bring us into the the time of uh, of divine right. You know, in Europe, when the kings were given the oh, we we're put here by God to rule, and so we're going to give up our our freedom to this person who's this all-knowing, inspired by God person. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, all this and that, and and of course the Enlightenment. You know, people have to remember about the Enlightenment. They look at it this as this glowing times when it was wonderful, but but the same excuses were made during the French Revolution when when they gave the the Directory and Robespierre, and they gave all these people all these powers, you know, to fix them. And it was an ever changing situation. Oh, these people are dangerous. No, it's this group that's dangerous. No, it's mm-hmm. this group that's dangerous. And in my lifetime. The 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 uh, narrative has changed. You know, growing up, it was the communists that were dangerous. We gotta we gotta spend a bunch of money to fight the communists, and then of course in two thousand and one, oh, it's it's the terrorists, and and now that people are tired of that game, 
You know, now that they're tired of all those games, what they're focused on right now is, oh, we need to give government emergency powers to help this disease. And, and there's always going to be something government's going to use to frighten you so that you'll give up your individual liberty and expand their power. Mm-hmm. And usually that involves giving them money. Yeah, yeah. I think so, like, in, in what you just said, right, like, you, you just asked a question, like, does it happen under prosperity when everyone's happy and making all the money and stuff like that? I agree with you. It doesn't happen. But that's how you always know when it's about to happen. <laughs> because what, what, here's what happens to people, right? If you have all this awesomeness... And then there's an emergency situation that pops up and you're like, oh, wait a second. Are you saying I'm going to lose all my awesomeness? Okay, go ahead. Take all the powers you need to to make sure you preserve my awesomeness and I get to keep living, you know, with all these great, awesome, wonderful things that we're all into. Like, I'm not even trying to tell anyone that I'm not materialistic. I think, you know, everyone is. I have things that I like, you know, we could sit here and, and enumerate, but... I think that's that's always the setup that you know that, oh, this is about to happen because everyone's doing really well and they're used to that doing really wellness and then something comes up and they're like, oh, crap, there's no way that we, you know, we want to let this happen and they give everything away to people and those people never, ever want to give that back. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's amazing. Um, it, it's amazing to me when, when we look at our forefathers the people that built this country mm-hmm. it's not like they didn't know diseases mm-hmm. <laughs> i mean you're talking yeah. about you know i mean you're, you're talking about these people i mean even if they didn't come directly from europe their parents <laughs> or their grandparents could tell you that the bubonic plague wiped out 33 percent of the population there oh for sure you know yeah you know or or, or you know the, when you're talking about other diseases that uh, you know, wiped out entire swaths of populations. I mean, it's it's quite amazing to me that people say, well, they couldn't foresee uh, international travel. Really? I mean, how they do you think all it. those people traveled around the world? <laughs> I mean, do you think they just wished themselves away? Yeah. So it's this amazing thing. It, it's it's what it is is disrespect of of people in times past that had greater courage than we do. Mm-hmm. And and I think there's a huge movement, and that's what that's what a lot of leftists do is they mm-hmm. denigrate the people that founded this country and said, oh, they were un uneducated. And, you know, I mean, people don't realize Thomas Jefferson could write in seven different languages. He could write in two languages simultaneously. He could write in one language with one wow. with his right hand. He could work in he could write in another language with his left hand. He could do that simultaneously. Mm-hmm. He could write in Greek and Latin. He spoke seven languages fluently. I mean, this, these are not dummies, you know, that started this country. I mean, they mm-hmm. were very well read. Um, I'm not exalting them above anybody. But what I will say is this, is that they had the courage to dare to bring about a different form of government, when people realize how radical, and, and I mean radical in a good way, radical is not a bad word. Radical is a very cool word in my vocabulary. Mm-hmm. Um, when you when you look at how radical the Declaration of Independence was, rights don't come from government, right? Rights come from the creator of heaven and earth. Mm-hmm. Like that's what our founders believed, and, and they believed it so much that they put it in our founding document of government. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what separates Western civilization from the rest of the world, Hank, and, and you may have – you have a unique perspective to speak to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what separates Western civilization, of which we're a part of, from the rest of the world is this acknowledgement that our rights do, in fact, come from the creator of heaven and earth. They're not given out by government. Mm-hmm. And the, the whole purpose of government is to protect those rights. So when they start violating them, when they when they start violating them and continue to be the main uh, antagonist that violates this, 
I've got a big problem with that. Mm-hmm. And and the circum the circumstances will always exist for government to violate your liberty. Like they and if they don't exist currently, they'll they will create a situation to where that's the and I'm not a conspiracy person. I'm not this person that thinks there's this vast like worldwide conspiracy to violate rights. I'm just saying I think people in politics are very opportunistic. Mm-hmm. I think I think they're very opportunistic because people usually will create what they what they seek is money, power, influence. Uh, and comfort for themselves. And I mean, you look at people in Washington, D.C., how many of them do you think would pass a regular drug test? Uh, I mean, very few. let alone a psychiatric test. Yeah. You know, these are yeah. true sociopaths. I mean, these are people that that don't care about me or you or the foundation of this country. I, I mean, these are people that if they would take my high school history class would fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. I, I totally agree. Listen, going back to what you just said about like our forefathers, I really believe that that I think my parents were stronger and they and and my grandparents and and going back as we go back they had to be right they had to be they had to be stronger people they had to be more creative they had to fight harder work harder right all the time and one of the things that's happening to us with technology me included what's happening is that because we have all this tech it's all of a sudden like we have all this kind of time that we never had before you know, and we and well, we fill it with a lot of things, and almost in a way, it's making us like, uh, it's it's creating that situation. I don't think I agree with you that it's the politicians want to do it, but there's lots of things that are doing it to us. Yeah, I mean, we you know when we talk about generations of people, we got to be careful because, you know, there's really good people in every generation. Mm-hmm. I mean, in my in my parents' generation, uh, of course, they're baby boomers, and they mm-hmm. grew up during the uh, '50s, '60s, and '70s. Mm-hmm. You know, coming of age. Mm-hmm. Um, those people, uh, there were very hardworking, good people in that generation. Mm-hmm. But then again, I mean, there's also the leftist, you know, uh, literally commie children, you know, mm-hmm. people that, that were in academia. I mean, those those people were absolutely useless and worthless. They they wanted an America that our founders never wanted. They wanted an America where, where government was big and, you know, everybody could do whatever they wanted. And then before them, of course— you know, people call uh, the World War II generation the greatest generation. I, I disagree with that 100 percent. You know, the greatest generation is what gave us massive deficit spending. You know, the greatest generation is what gave us the New Deal. Uh, the, the greatest generation is what gave us 16 years of unfettered Franklin Roosevelt totalitarian government for 16 <laughs> years yeah. in which unemployment remained at 25 percent. Mm-hmm. So. You know, I mean, you're talking about grasps of government power like you can't even imagine. And then their parents, of course, had Woodrow Wilson that brought us the Federal Reserve Act, that brought us the income tax, that brought us prohibition, that got us involved in World War One. I. I mean, massive, massive international involvement against what our founders wanted. So I don't think that that's the greatest generation at all. I, I think our greatest generation uh, is the revolutionary generation. But I'm going to say something that may shock a lot of people. I think our greatest generation is yet to come. Okay. I think our I think our greatest generation is going to be people that recognize government isn't the answer. Mm-hmm. That we don't have to keep kicking our income to Washington D.C. to spend and spend and spend and spend and spend. I mean, for God's sakes! I mean, what passes for a conservative now mm-hmm. is what a democratic socialist was three months ago. Mm-hmm. It's weird. It's the, weird how everything's upside down on its head. And I don't care if if people are offended that I'm that I'm dumping on the president right now whatever get over it man 
I mean, I don't think that you should have subsidization of industries. I don't think a business is too big to fail. Mm -hmm. If you make stupid investments, when you make stupid decisions, you should fail. And we shouldn't have to fit, uh, foot the bill for that. Additionally, you got what, what a $1,200 check going to people? I mean, come on, man. Like, mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that are going to get money that never even kicked any money in to begin with. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that you should send money to D.C. and have them redistributed everywhere else. And I understand people are hurting, but why are they hurting? Can you imagine for the last 10 years if people could have kept the money that they earned without having to be to send money into the IRS? Mm -hmm. You think people would be hurting if they could keep the money that they earned for the last 10 years? Who's the greatest violator? So I don't think the solution is more D.C., more government involvement, more deficit spending, more Keynesian economics. That's already been tried and failed many, many times over. I think that's a horrible idea. I think that's naive. And I think I wouldn't really take business advice from a guy who's declared bankruptcy three times. Mm -hmm. um, it's a good it's a good business plan for businesses nowadays is how you do things, I guess. So here's the thing. <laughs> One, I, we've got a lot of people watching. I would encourage everyone to smash the thumbs up. Welcome to all the folks who came over here because of Reed. We appreciate you doing that, you know, read, read, share this stuff. And I know other folks out there were sharing it as well. Um, there's so many things to get into here. Like, uh, <laughs> I, I don't even know where to start, but let's let's start with uh, something um, that we're talking about right now. So there's all these things that they're trying to set up, right? In, in this situation that we're having that's an emergency, there's things that they're trying to set up. I think, you know, we talk and we joke about the Trump money and all that. I've done it. I've joked about Trump money. Because people joked about the Obama money. I actually never got any of that money. Don't expect to get <laughs> any either. of this money. Um, yeah. But what are the things that you that you think? We, we can see a lot of the stuff that they want to do. What are the things you think they could do that would actually make a difference here? Because we do have an opportunity from everything that's happening right now to change things. I'm not saying they will, but what what, what directions would you go in? Well, number one, just be honest about things. I mean, I, I, mean, I remember a month ago... Uh, people were talking about, oh, this is going to kill three million people in this country. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, it became a million. Mm -hmm. And then it became a half million. Mm -hmm. And then it became a quarter million. Mm -hmm. And then today it's like 90,000. Mm -hmm. That to me sounds like a bad flu year. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if, if you want to shut down the economy over this and, and do it, I mean, I understand there's at-risk people, man. Like, I get that, that the people 70, 75, 80 years old and older, like, I get that they've got issues. Mm -hmm. But when did it become that all of a sudden you're going to be expected to live to be 100 years old or 110? Uh, like, I, and, I, and I want people to live as long as possible. Maybe we all live to be 120, right? Right. But there's um, things killing people all the time, Reed. I mean, I think yeah, yeah, like yeah. I don't, I don't want to get sick. I don't want the people I love and I care about to get sick and die. Unfortunately, that happens in life, as yeah. tough as it may sound. But you know, there's lots of things that people are dying anyway. People die in car accidents. You know, there's uh, there's people who don't even get a chance to actually live before they get it before they get a chance to come out of the womb and live in the world. They die. Yeah. Has anybody has anybody ever I mean, and what I want to know is, is like, do people understand that more people die of medical malpractice every year than are projected to die from this virus? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like we don't shut down the country for medical malpractice. We don't we don't shut down the country due to drunk drivers. Yeah. People you know, die because of cancer. Get They get cancer yeah. from the sun. You know, yeah. skin cancer, it, stuff like that. I mean, it's amazing. And like, mm -hmm. I mean, you people are like, well, what about Italy? Blah, 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 blah. Listen, I mean, first of all, Italy socialized medicine. Like that should tell you something. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> like Italy is socialized medicine. That's why people are dying there. They don't have enough resources because under socialism, everybody yeah. sucks and everybody's poor. Yeah, there's, so, and there's lots of corruption. There's corruption in America, but lots of corruption. And then there yeah. were all these rules that who knows how long it took before they got it. Like I've looked at, um, I'm into car, I'm into cars, right? So I'll confess to that. But I've looked at car shows taking place in Italy. And literally the cops roll up on these guys, like if it's a Sunday or something like that, or a weekend, and they're like, hey, no one can work in Italy on this day. There's just things like that going on. So when you have places where people like, oh, no, we have to be on vacation right now, how are they going to react to things in time? I think what it boils down to is like, do you want a society that's that's secure or do you want a society that's free, mm -hmm. right? So you ask what can be done. Uh, number one, get people back to work. Like it, the, the 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 economic depression that or the recession that's happening, all these people unemployed, mm -hmm. like that's not caused by the virus. Mm -hmm. That's the caused virus by the government. The government's admitting they're causing that. <laughs> right. That's caused by the government. So so in other words, if you go to work, you're going to be penalized. You're going to have to pay money, or you're going to have to do this and that. Um, it's not even like the government's. You know what? I, I, I was thinking about this. Okay, so we let's say we have a big problem, right? And so right now, let's say we need, let's say we we accept it, that we need ventilators, we need masks, we need this thing, we need that thing. How is the solution telling everyone to stay home? How is that the solution? Like, w the, those people who are staying home could actually make things. We could somehow do things and do something about this instead of staying home, twiddling our thumbs, looking at the news, getting even crazier because the media obviously is on board with all this and they're just like, you know, pushing people more and more down, right? Yeah, and the wild thing is that eventually everybody's going to have to come out of their little cave. Mm -hmm. Everybody's going to have to come out sooner or later. We cannot indefinitely stay in our houses. Guess what's still going to be there? The virus. Yeah. There's, well, I mean, it's never going away. It's <laughs> it's never going away any yeah. more than the, than the Spanish And I think it's been did. here. I think it's also been here. Yeah, yeah. it's not so, going away. Yeah. I, you know, it, it, if, if, if it's amazing to me how people will gladly sell their freedom away, will gladly sell their liberties away just for the illusion of feeling safe. Yeah. I, I think really at, at this point, you know, it, these numbers keep going down and down and down about the number of people killed. I mean, really what we're at with even with the White House task force on coronavirus just mm -hmm. came out today. Mm -hmm. it, it's literally comparable, almost identically to a bad flu year. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't I don't see I think we'll look back on this, man. And I've, I've told a lot of my friends this. I, I think people when the smoke is settled from all this, people are going to look back on this as the greatest overreaction in our nation's history. I agree. And you know what's going to be funny is people are going to say, "Oh, I never overreacted." And these are the same people <laughs> cussing me out for running classes, right? Yeah. These these are the same. These are the, and by the way, I had four physicians in my class last week. Mm -hmm. None of them are concerned. Yeah. Um. So so it's it's this amazing thing, and um. I, I just I just understand that yes, there are at risk people, and if there are at risk people, then why not have them be where identify them? I, yeah. Yes. And so it's it's amazing. So what can the government do? Get the hell out of our lives. Yeah. They only make things worse. Mm -hmm. They only they only burden us by either regulation or laws or taxation. I think they're despicable people. I think they're scumbag people. And I think that this government needs to be shrunk by at least 95%. Yeah. I hope um, that's I mean, something that comes out of all of this. Somehow I doubt it. However, I think that from what you're saying, I think there's lots of like regular people who don't look at this thing every so like we're gun guys and we think a yeah. certain way right we're very freedom oriented or whatever 
but I've noticed my friends who aren't in those circles that the, the, all the folks listening here, we all think the same way, pretty much. We've got our differences. But I've noticed the people in the outside circles, they're thinking like that. Isn't that why we've had these unprecedented spikes in gun sales? I mean, I think that they're saying like Nick's checks um, in March were maybe the second highest ever. Yeah, it's amazing how uh, reality will, will get people to uh, lose their false altruism. Mm-hmm. Oh, we don't need guns in our society. And then, of course, record gun sales now. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> yeah. So where, where are all those where are all those like beta male individuals that, that said that we don't need guns anymore? They're the same people scrambling to buy the guns they didn't have the balls to buy before. Yeah, wondering and, what uh, happened to the gun show loophole that I could yeah. just come in here, pay some money for this gun and walk out. What happened to that? <laughs> oh, it was, it was hilarious. I remember, uh, I remember the first couple of weeks uh, – of this whole thing maybe a month ago and and the people were stunned they couldn't just go online and buy a gun and have it shipped to their door what? you mean i gotta go through all this rigmarole yes. and it's like you know i don't think you under and it's weird because they act like they know what they're talking about like and this mm-hmm. is so many people they, they act like they know what they're talking about when it comes to firearms and, and and i'm just like listen i mean i'm sorry that look i think everyone has a god-given right to buy a firearm to protect you and your family like mm-hmm. there's no question i don't even think there should be a freaking background check system the nra caved on that in 94. Mm-hmm. um I, it doesn't what, make any what difference does it make right you're seeing it right now that yeah. that government isn't even during times of emergencies government isn't evil isn't evil um they are evil mm-hmm. but they're not even able to staff the background check system so people are being denied you know the ability to purchase a firearm so it's like in good faith they go to the gun store fill out the paperwork and then government is unable to provide the service that they said they're going to be able to provide. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's this unreal thing where what if you're a guy that's never been into guns before and you want to go out and buy a gun? Now you can't, mm-hmm. even though you've gone through the steps. You have the capital to do it. Mm-hmm. You have the money to do it. You have the desire to do it. The gun store owner wants to sell it to you, but it's the failure of government. So we have this third-party failure. This third-party transaction that has failed to uphold its end of the bargain. And I think if you're going to find throughout history, government has failed to live up to its end of the bargain over and over and over again Mm -hmm. to the point where I'm really contemplating – I mean I don't know if I can send my income tax in next year. You know, I mean, because if they're not going to provide normal functions, which is protecting other people's liberty and lives, why should we continue funding them? Mm -hmm. You know? How else are they going to get money other than make it up? I mean, this is the crazy – once we got into the system in America where um, this is just I'm, – I'm obviously not a history teacher like you are or were, right? Uh, you still are. You're still teaching people history. Let's be honest about more. it. More. I teach yeah. more people history now than I did in high school college. Yeah, yeah, you're always teaching me stuff. But there was a time when – so people got all their money, did what they needed to do with their money, and then they had to give it, give it to the government, right? And then one day they were like, wait a second. If we – if, if we this method – allows people to have their money and do whatever and then we don't get it which is actually good that's the whole point right so they decided to take it out of people's uh paychecks so the people who are getting paid on a regular basis it comes out and then you have to fight with the government to get your money back from them right <laughs> it's it yeah and you can you can see that our um adventurism overseas especially in europe and, mm-hmm. and post world war one and post world war two our adventurism directly coincides with the income tax. The, the income tax was written, you know, the 16th Amendment, 1913, in conjunction with the Federal Reserve Act. Mm-hmm. Um, it's this amazing thing that that people need to understand that 
it was originally sold as only affecting the wealthy. You know, mm-hmm. this will only affect the top one percent of one percent of of wage earners, and we're only here to tax the really rich people, like the Rockefellers mm-hmm. and the Vanderbilts and and the Carnegies. You know, the government was, was never this, sees their money. Never. Yeah, never ever see all, that money. It was it was all about like it was all about like envy and covetousness. And, That's how they know, convince you. They convince you that the it's rich not guy pay. Yeah, it's you not know, you. It's your neighbor. Yeah. No, it'll never affect you. And, yeah. and, and so then once they get their toenail in, mm-hmm. see, once they get their toenail in the door, you already got an eight deep home invasion about to happen to you. Mm-hmm. So I don't entertain any of their BS rhetoric. I don't, and I don't care who's in charge, whether it's a Republican or a Democrat. I don't entertain them. They don't give a crap about you. And I don't care how funny or how awesome rallies they have, or what they promise their little like lower echelon of society, how freebies they they promise them. I don't listen to them because my heroes, all of them are dead and gone, man. Mm-hmm. You know, all the people that built this country, that fought on battlefields, that fought against tyranny, like every single one of my heroes is gone. Mm-hmm. You know, when when you when you look at like when you look at this society, I mean, I, I did a video I just released it this morning. Um, you know, if if these idiots in in Washington D.C., whether they be Republican, Democrat, I don't give a crap. If they would have brought these ideas up before, like. Thomas Jefferson or Benjamin Franklin, like they would have been laughed out of the halls of Congress. Like they would have literally been, like, and not just laughed. I, I think they would have probably been incarcerated for mm-hmm. violation of the constitution. Mm-hmm. And so like you get guys out there that are just this, it, it's amazing thing. I, I go to work, you know, I work hard, you know, I maintain my property. I teach, you know, I've sacrificed a lot for this country. I've sacrificed personal time and energy and all this as have everybody. I'm sure a lot of the guys watching gals mm-hmm. watch the podcast. Um, I think we realize that the answer isn't just voting your guy into office. I mean, with, with this guy in office right now, we've got gun control. We've got deficit spending every single year to a trillion plus dollars. Now we're at a $2.2 trillion stimulus, which is 100% more than Barack Obama did in 2009. Mm-hmm. Uh, and by the way, and not just in that $2.2 trillion, there's an additional $5 trillion in loans authorized. Yeah, for- and, we, and we have everything at a standstill. Oh, nothing. You, you have everything start- at a standstill from a guy who, like you said, is supposed to understand business. If you understand business, why why is everything at a standstill? This cannot continue. Maybe some big businesses will make it through this. Of course, if they get if they get bailed out, they get money. They're going to make it through it. What about the little businesses? Like, what about my uh, barber shop that's literally downstairs from this building that he was forced? He cannot cut anyone's hair. He cannot do it. Well, you got you got your uh, you got your truckers. You know, these are all professions I respect. You got your mm-hmm. truckers. You got your service industry, like your waitresses, waiters. Mm-hmm. Uh, you've got your 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 master chefs. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got your people that that go out and teach people. Uh, you you've got your auto mechanics. Mm-hmm. You've got your. I mean, th- there's so many professions mm-hmm. that I respect. Mm-hmm. Look at me. I mean, I employ five people, right? Mm-hmm. So. I employ five people. If it if it would be up, if I lived in a leftist state, and thank God I don't, I live in Tennessee, mm-hmm. but if I lived in a leftist state, they would say, nope, you can't conduct classes. You can't do it. You can't bring people from all over the country. That would be five people that can't provide for the family. Mm-hmm. And some people really need it, Hank. Mm-hmm. I've, I've got a guy. Oh, I know. You know I've got mm-hmm. a guy who's out of work. He's mm-hmm. got a wife and two kids. Um, he, he, he really, you know, has told, and, and it's, it's, it's amazing how important that we all are to other people, but it's like, I don't, I'm not in business, you know, I'm not in business to be this guy that is a laundromat for money. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I'm a guy that's that's here to make money so that I can provide jobs to other mm-hmm. people, mm-hmm. right? And, and and there's a lot of people in that situation, right? There's a lot of people in that situation. But if it gets to the point where they're like, okay, well, you can't make any money, Reed. You know, you got to kick more money upstairs. And by the way, we're raiding your IRA, and we're raiding your, uh, you know, your SEP, and we're raiding your uh, your uh, income tax. And and by the way, we're gonna we're gonna jack that. And by the way, I get self employment tax, so they're gonna jack my self employment tax up to seventy five percent. You know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna teach classes by myself. Mm-hmm. And I really don't yeah. want to do that yeah. at all. I want to have two or three other guys on the line with me because mm-hmm. I know that what I do, I kick a little to them so that they can have a better life. Yeah. And it, you know? it, it, that goes all around, right? It makes it easier for you, makes it easier for them, makes it easier for your students. I mean, one thing is that I guess um, uh, Homeland Security came out and declared that the industry, trainers like yourself, uh, uh, manufacturers, etc., are uh, essential <laughs> essential people it um, takes a crisis it, ca- it takes a crisis to figure out that people like like me are essential that gun owners yeah. are essential that ranges are it takes it takes this to figure that out yeah. i'm pretty sure that was written in 1789 yeah <laughs> and here's the thing definitely all of these people who are out there new people but because I, I know what you're going to say but you know we all need to be training yes that's true I'm sure you're gonna. I'll, I'll let you say that. But these, there's a lot of new people coming online with guns, with firearms, right? And they yeah. definitely need some training, you know. So oh, it looks like you got it. You got a special. What's up? This is my this is my buddy Tyler, man. He's helped me out on the range as well, and he's one of those guys I'm telling you about. Mm-hmm. He's he's a guy that that. You know, he looks at this profession. He looks at this industry as being essential, not because the president or, or Congress and anybody said so, but because he recognizes the importance of getting this information out. You can say hi, man. Yeah. <laughs> What's up, Tyler? <laughs> Shout out to all the people out there. If there's he anyone out up. there that knows Tyler, say what's up to him. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. He, it's, what I'm saying is that he's a former Marine right here, you know. Okay, um, awesome. Semper Fi. You know, Semper Fi, man. And, you know, he's one of these guys that, that recognizes giving back to the country, but – but if it was up to the government, if it was up to people like Nancy Pelosi or if it was up to people like uh, uh, any other, other scumbag rhino Republicans, this guy here wouldn't be having a he, – he wouldn't, he wouldn't be able to help me. He'd be, he'd be in his house you know, scared to death and just kind of like you know, quivering in the fetal position, and that's not what we need right now, man. Yeah, I don't envision a lot of Marines ever uh, quivering in that fetal position. I know, no. I know a few of them. Um, yeah, so let me ask you this question. Why is it even up to those guys? How come it's not up to us? Well, it is up to us, man. It's it's like, you know, really what what it is is like how much are you willing to to put up with? You know, for me, if I see some like and pardon the language, guys, mm-hmm. like child alert here. You know, I normally don't <laughs> do, it, but if I see some numb nuts Barty Fife, you know, telling me I can't conduct classes, okay, well, what are you going to do about it? Yeah. Are you going are you going to force me to close down? Are you going to like are you going to draw your gun on me? Are you going to shoot me? Yeah. You know, are, uh, are, Reed, I would like to see someone even roll up on you in where you're at yeah. in the mountains. I'm not even sure how the hell that happens. Dude, it, it, you know, it's it's one of these things where like, okay, I'm a nice dude, man. You know me, Hank. You know me mm-hmm. for like six, seven, almost eight years now, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm a nice dude, man. Like, I'm not, I'm not this person that goes out of my way to figure out trouble. You know, I'm not this guy that goes out of my way to cause conflict. But if you mess with my constitution, right, and you mess with my bill of rights and not just mine i'm saying my as in the the collective all mm-hmm, of us mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know you mess you mess with the um with the ability to earn a living you mess with the ability uh to live your life according to free principles that our founders fought and died for we're going to have serious problems 
because you can pass all the laws you want to. The legislative branch can pass all the laws. Even the idiot, idiotic judicial branch can say, oh, you've got to conform to this. It's like Andrew Jackson said, the chief justice has issued his opinion. Now let's see him enforce it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I, I want I – I mean this is for law enforcement out there. Mm-hmm. I'm former LE. You know, I'm former law enforcement. I mean a lot of guys on my cadre are, are like JJ and Clay. You know, these are guys that are also retired LE or current LE. Mm-hmm. So it's not like we're like strangers to how this stuff works. It's just that the people wearing the badge today, and I've got a lot of friends. Okay, I've probably got some friends watching this right now. Absolutely. Uh, lots. By the way, lots of people shouting out Tyler. Yeah, he, he, yeah he's a, a good dude, out. man. Yeah. Like, he's like, David Cagle, Bob Rocks. David says David yeah. Cagle says yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, he's awesome man that's a square he's a uh, he's a le guy man David is and uh, mm-hmm. like squared away young guy man I wish at 22 I was like a tenth as squared away as he is right mm-hmm. now you know and mm-hmm. um but yeah he, he's a good dude and but what I'm saying is like we got all these le guys out there that that do the right thing but mm-hmm. then you got your other people that value earning a paycheck and a pension they they value that and they'll be willing to violate people's rights well mm-hmm. that that's that's not going to work man yeah like if, if they thought it was cool like you know in times where like it was generally peaceful if they thought it was cool and like only you know criminals hated them like you're gonna have a major problem with dudes like me like dirt on you man yeah like, you're gonna have a how, ma- how are they even gonna do that so let's say we assume that everything here is real which i i do believe that there's realness to this right i think there's some there's some puffing up of what's going on here. But let's say everything's real. We've got law enforcement going down also to COVID-19, right? So how exactly how exactly are they supposed to enforce any of this? You know, like they, like the, the governor of Florida did not want to declare or that it was mandatory for people to stay home. You know, Florida's just dealing with this. Of course, the number's going up. It's going to go up, you know, around the country. And then they forced him into it. So now, I guess, at midnight tonight, it's mandatory that people need to stay home. How the hell are they going to enforce that? Okay, so if it's if it's mandatory for people to stay home, um, and and so your job is to protect people's life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, but you're violating all three of those. Um, what percentage of the time are we not sending you taxes? Yeah. Uh, we right. Should, yeah. So so if you're forsaking right, if you're forsaking the obligation or the arrangement that we have, see, they only govern by consent. So. So if if they're forsaking this, right, if they're forsaking this whole thing where, oh, it's a one way affair where we're up here at the top and we're going to we're going to trickle down all this authority. It, when, when you reach that point, you know, then then you, we don't have an arrangement anymore. Mm-hmm. Now mm-hmm. we're not governing by consent. We're governing by coercion. Mm-hmm. We're governing by force. And I think our forefathers provided the template for that. Listen, you know, if, if, if people don't understand the importance of what the Second Amendment is all about. It says it is necessary to the security of a free state, mm-hmm. not a martial law state, mm-hmm. not an emergency state. It is necessary to the security of a free state. And if we don't have a free state, we don't have a country. Right. We, we're, we're, we're post-Weimar Germany. Mm-hmm. We're Bolshevik Russia. Yeah. We're back to being ruled by uh, whoever's the king of England currently, or queen, or whatever the hell is worse. going on over there. Yeah. Or worse. Yeah. Um, here's my here's my question. I want to ask you about the taxes, man. Do you really think they need the taxes? Because they shut the they've shut everything down now for the last couple of weeks, and they're shutting it down for another month. That could go on. Do do they really need the taxes, or are they just making up this money? Are they just pulling this money out of their ass or something? 
<laughs> well, they always pull money out of their ass, bro. <laughs> I mean, that, that's what they do. I mean, they're, they're, you're talking about an immoral, gutless piece of crap organization. Um, I mean, you're, you're talking – I mean, how in the hell could a woman like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez get elected to be a member of Congress? I mean, that woman would have failed my civics class. Yeah. You know? And here she is as some idiot millennial, and not all millennials are idiots. I've got very smart millennial uh, people that I know. Absolutely. But here here she is, you know, um, this person uh, plenty that— Plenty of millennials have died for their country recently, you, gone dude, out there, and uh, left it. body parts on the on the field of battle for their country. That's it, man. That's it. And in every generation, you've, you've got your givers and you got your takers, right? I mean, and she would be a classic taker. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, and you've got, you got, you got the entitled people and then you got the hardworking people. And so, um, you ask about taxes, dude, taxes are the only reason why I pay them is because I expect government to uphold why I consent to have them govern me, which is protection of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. When they stop doing that, I'm not going to kick upstairs anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't think anybody should. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think we really need to take this opportunity to change a lot of things. Like you said, I, you know, I'm very optimistic about that, but it doesn't mean that I think it's actually going to happen. We need to decentralize (laughs) a lot of these things away from the government of them having any kind of control over it, you know, in in order to really move forward, uh, with what America needs to be in the coming years, in my, in my opinion, um, uh, before let me go to a couple of things. So we're talking about like there's all these guys that are um, getting into guns and stuff like that. Uh, I know lots of people have made videos. I'm, I'm sure you probably made a video about this. But what do you want to say to all these new gun owners out there? What would be your uh, first messages to them? We've got people buying handguns, buying rifles. You know what would you? I I, I want to know not only what would you like advise them to do or to to how they should think about all of this, but what do you think they should even be buying if they're buying anything? Um, you know, get a reliable pistol above anything else. You know, I mean, rifles are sexy and they're fun and, you know, they're part of our heritage and everything. And um, I, I'm a big believer in, in the American Rifleman, having written a book about it. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. We got to talk about the book here. At some point. I hope you got the book around you right there somewhere. Uh, I may be able to to yeah, get a yeah. copy. <laughs> yeah, we need to get a copy of the book here on the podcast for sure. Um, mm-hmm. I would say you know get a pistol because if you can learn how to shoot a pistol well, all other guns are easy to shoot. You know your submachine guns, your shotguns, your rifles. If you've got the fundamentals on a pistol, a rifle is is very much like cheating. And so, um, and and by the way, I mean for for a pistol, I've always got a pistol on me. I don't mm-hmm. always have a rifle on me. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. but I do have a pistol on me, and so I think a pistol is is by far the most practical weapon that we have. I think it's very practical. I think it's very useful. I think that it's very. Um, I, I I think it's like your lifeline in many ways, mm-hmm. and it, and it always has been. I mean, even on the frontier, I mean, people carried pistols, and you know, in the Wild West, people carried pistols, and people continue to carry pistols today. And I think you can defend your home with it. I think you can defend your family. I think that you can, if you have a pistol, you can get pretty much anything you want. Yeah. <laughs> so, so from your from your classes and everything that you guys do, what pistols would you recommend to folks out there? You're, you're obviously seeing a lot of these things. Uh, coming through the class, is there anything that you would recommend or you're trying to stay away from that specifically? 
Oh, I mean, get a reliable one, man. I mean, it's like, you know, the internet forums are great and all this. Like, if I want to, like, go into a week of depression, I'll go on the online forums <laughs> and go down the black hole of abyss of BS. Um, I mean, I'm glad, man. I'm, I'm really, really glad. I mean, if I wanted to, you know, if I wanted to, like, you know, destroy a part of my soul, I may go on there. Um, mm-hmm. But, no, I, I think you get a good brand, you know, like a Glock, a Smith & Wesson or, a, you know, H and K or something. I mean, I would stick with Glock or Smith. You know, I mean, H and K is cool and all, but Walther maybe. Uh, I, I think any one of those is going to be good. Um, I, I, I like them because they work. They continue to work. They've worked in all of our classes, and this is. I mean, I'm nearing almost a decade as a full time firearms instructor, and yeah. you know, the same uh, guns that worked, you know, back when I started, continue to work. The guns that that don't work continue not to work yeah is there anything really terrible i'm gonna i'm gonna go down that rabbit hole here forgive me reed i have to is there anything that you've seen in the classes recently that's really super terrible and i don't know let us know what's been real about uh, it? you know i mean generally stuff made in the middle east is gonna suck ass pardon the language um <laughs> you know it's like you know like like it, yeah like, what's uh, what's tyler saying right there what did tyler what you say, say brother yeah, I mean anything you know, you know, South American may not be the highest quality. I mean, generally, like you know, countries where I'd want a vacation would be countries <laughs> I would buy pistols from. You know, uh-huh. um, you know, it, it just you know, it's amazing. I mean, American or European pistols is the way to go. I, you know, if yeah. you're in the U.S. man, you know, you've got your your Smith and Wessons. I think mean, they're they they just continue to work, especially their MMP series, man. You know, they just work and Glock is what it is for a reason. Yeah. I mean, you know, if I was going to talk about a new guy, man, like like get a Glock, be done with it, man. You know, you can you can go through all the cool little action guy 1911 stuff or you can go to like um, you know, you can go to but I I mean really for the price, it's it's hard to beat yeah. a Smith or a Glock, you know. Yeah. Really and if money is the if money is an issue, I always tell people you can get used stuff. There's used guns out there. They're typically yeah. really good. And those companies that you mentioned, and for that matter, lots of companies will stand behind their guns even if they're used. So It's funny, Hank. You know, I just uh, I just killed a Glock 19 last week, man. I killed oh, really? it. I literally, yeah, I literally killed it. How? Um, shooting it. <laughs> you know, it <laughs> How many rounds? Uh, shit, maybe a buck 50. Okay. And I don't mean 15,000 rounds. And I don't yeah, mean, are, are you saying 150,000? Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about 150,000. 150, yeah, I killed it, man. I killed it. I killed the frame. The barrel was money. In fact, I was still using the same barrel, still using the same slide. It was the frame that cracked in the back wow. left. You know, I killed it, and uh, I sent it in the Glock, and they had me a brand-new frame in, like, five days. Awesome. Awesome. So, yeah. 150,000 yeah. rounds in like, you know, yeah. a couple Yeah, I mean, if, if, I don't know. In a zombie apocalypse, if you got 150,000 zombies coming at you, you got bigger problems than your Glock, obviously. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's crazy, man. You know, so you get one. I mean, the M&Ps, the Smith & Wesson's good, too. The Walthers make good pistols. I mean, mm-hmm. pro- here's the deal, man. Like, I'll tell people, look, if you can't find a holster for your pistol, there's probably a reason why. You know, um, it's like, it's, okay. it's like, you know, just do it. And I mean, I know it works and, you know, I've seen what works and, and, you know, a good pistol is a good pistol. I mean, you know, great. I mean, so you get the pistol. That's, that's, that's cold. That's cold though, man. That's cold. That is a cold, that is a cold, uh, read saying <laughs> that you just dropped right there. If you can't find a holster for your pistol, there's probably a reason. Yeah, let's not, let's not just move away from that immediately. Yeah, what about can you can you make a can you make your own holster? How about that? 
I don't know. I mean, maybe if you're like a leather worker. Uh, I love it, man. All these Kydex guys, you know, all these Kydex guys. I mean, Kydex, have you ever heard of, a, you know, so-and-so? Have you ever heard of so-and-so? He uses my stuff. I said, no, you sent him one for free. Like, mm-hmm. it's not that he uses one. I mean, stop yeah. trying to name drop, you know. Right. And So are you uh, leather Are you leather or Kydex for your holsters? Where are I'm you at? Kydex, man. You're I'm Kydex. Kydex. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, because, and I don't have anything against leather holsters. I just, you know, I mean – it's not 1975 man you know like we got <laughs> and i'm not against 1975 you right, know right, I'm all right, about right. It. i understand um, i understand it just i just you know i like having kydex because you know you can sweat and it's not gonna you know breathe through the material and mm-hmm. um you know it's just for me man like i really enjoy uh being able to uh just rinse it out in the sink yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. um yeah, and even a- even when I talk to like this weekend, I'm gonna go spend some time with Sam Andrews, who makes leather holsters. I've been doing uh, stuff with him here on my channel. Uh, matter of fact, our first video that we did showing him making a holster just went over a million views. My first video to go over a million views. Even he says, uh, for a lot of situations, especially training, etc., you need a Kydex. You know, I mean, you can. It's easier for you to bleed on Kydex. <laughs> well, I mean, wash here's it how off. I look at. Here's how I look at training, Hank. You know, I look at training as is not like it's not a training environment. It's like it's mm-hmm. a simulation for the street. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like a lot of guys will come to class and and I'll look at them. And then one of the things I do is and I don't like officially inspect students, but what mm-hmm. I'll do is I'll look at them and I'll see what they're running and I'll say, um, "Hey, man, is that the way you normally carry?" No, no, no. I just did it for class. And I said, "Well, the problem with a class rig is that." The only way you carry it is in class. Mm-hmm. So why don't we carry the way that we do on the street? I mean, the purpose of mm-hmm. training is to push you into the street and be able to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. So um, Kydex for me is good because it's durable. It fits the gun very well. It never wears out. Mm-hmm. The mouth of the holster stays open. Um, a quality one like, say, JM Kydex or Keeper's Concealment isn't going – and I, and by the way, I don't get like paid by these guys. It's just what mm-hmm. I use. I bought mm-hmm. – I buy the holsters. I don't get comped. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I buy their stuff because these guys are shooters. You know, um, Tony at JM Kydex is a shooter. You know, Spencer Keepers down there in Oklahoma, he's a shooter, man. Mm-hmm. He's a hell of a shooter. I've never met him, but I've, I've corresponded. He's an awesome guy. Um, and so that's what I carry. You know, right now I'm carrying a Keepers, you know, and I'm carrying mm-hmm. my Glock 26, you know. And so uh, okay. it, it's like, you know, it's just I, I think that, that there's there's people that shoot that use holsters and then there's people that, that don't shoot and make holsters, and you can really tell the difference. Like, I can tell the difference between a guy that really shoots and makes a holster. So, dude, dudes send me stuff all the time, like unsolicited, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, it happens to all of us. I mean, people yeah. people always send in me things like that. Yeah. And I'm like, and I'm grateful. It's mm-hmm. not like I'm, I'm blowing them off, or it's not that, you know, I'm not appreciative, but I want to use holsters from guys that shoot at a high level. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're... And, and please don't take this the wrong way. I'm like the last person in the world that thinks that you need to be a master or grandmaster shooter to have an opinion. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, when you shoot, you know, I, I've shot so much. And for me, it's not even about the number of rounds that I shoot. For me, it's about the quality. And, and, and it's not even about my shooting. It's how can I articulate to other people um, the most effective way to get the information that's in my head into their uh, action, mm-hmm. right? And so um, – you know, I know guys that, that shoot that if I can tell whether a guy shoots a lot or carries a lot by the holster that he makes. And guys like Tony at JM Kydex and guys like Spencer Keepers down there in Oklahoma, those guys are shooters. Like Spencer's, you know, is this, is a he's like a straight up gunslinger, man. So, you know, um, he can shoot. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it, all these guys, you know, I understand it. And so 
I, I like a high grip. I like a high index. I like quality durability. I like stuff that's not going to crack or warp. Um, and I've been carrying, you know, JM Kydex and, Kemp and Keepers Concealment now for quite a long time on a daily basis, and I've never had a single issue. Okay. Let me ask you this about the holster before we get off the holster thing. You just said that you, you had a Glock break at 150,000 rounds. Um, the holster that you were using on that, how many, how long did that holster go? Years, <laughs> you know, Years? and okay. it wasn't, yeah, and the holster wasn't the issue. It was, uh, mm -hmm. it was, I mean, the holster, I mean, you know, I, I always have, um, backups and several of them. I mean, I have like three or four holsters mm -hmm. that I can plug in any time. That's not going to change my grip angle. That's not going to change the index on my pistol. Mm -hmm. It's always going to be the same. So, you know, it's, it's like, I, I'm, I try to stay consistent. Like I find one pistol and then train with it and get really good with it. Um, rather than jump around from different types of pistols. Like I mm -hmm. can tell the difference today. I shot a revolver, my backup gun. Mm -hmm. I did some backup gun cause 38 specials cheap right now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so, so I did some backup gun work. And when I went back to my normal, uh, pistol, my, my, uh, when I went back to my normal, uh, Glock, my, my presentation was a little bit off, man. Mm -hmm. I could tell where it's normally real razor sharp. Mm -hmm. So, you know, so changing stuff around and shooting a bunch of different kind of guns, I think that's very detrimental to people. And, um, they need to understand how detrimental it is. Um, you know, for me to, to get up and, and shoot, you know, if, if I don't shoot for maybe a two or three or four day period, I lose about 10% of my skill. That's how sharp I like to keep my scalpel. Yeah. Um, it's definitely detrimental to me being yeah. a YouTube, uh, guy you know, pretending I know something about guns on YouTube, which I'm definitely pretending um, like 99% no, 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 no. of the time. Uh, because because we're shooting all these different things, I think, yeah, if you if if you don't have to do that, I agree with you. Have that, that one gun or a few guns that you know you spend time. And I know something you told me is like shoot on paper a lot, um, which I don't do, right? You know, yeah. For expediency, expediency or whatever. And I've noticed, yeah, not shooting on paper getting real bad well you um, the original uh, vein on this on this uh, thread that we're talking about is, is for new shooters my, mm -hmm. my advice would be to to get one gun stay with it get really good with it you know and, and stop being this guy that does the firearms carousel you know I'm not against that you know I'm not against it at all but it, it's good to experiment but eventually you're gonna have to get to the point where you settle on a, on something where you settle on a gun you settle on a system you settle on a methodology of practice and training and then you're going to have to roll with that because if we if we keep changing things, if we keep doing that, you're going to be slower. You're not going to be as good. Um, you're not going to shoot to the degree that you do, that you need to shoot to. And so my whole thing is, OK, I want people to be able to have the subconscious repetitions for when they get attacked on the street that they can draw, know their front side is there, see it and then work that trigger so that they can make it home to their family. So, you know, for me, a good holster goes a long way, and that includes carrying your gun every day, your pistol. Mm -hmm. I, I love rifles. I mean, hell, my emblem has a guy with a flintlock in the Cumberland yeah. Gap. Yeah. Um, but, you know, what I what I think is very practical for the overall majority of people is going to be to carry a quality pistol that you can bet your life on and, um, you know, carry a gun and practice with it. That way you have the same presentation, you have the same sight picture, uh, you have the same index, you have the same holster position. And, you know, if your holster is moving around all over the place, you need to get a new one. The holster should stay put. It should stay exactly where it is each and every time. Like my holster doesn't move. Yeah. This and a, a good belt is part of that combo too. Well, Big time, sure. man. Big Good time, belt, big, big time. What, I don't know if there's any specific kind of belts or whatever, but uh, where are you out on belts? 
You know, yeah, do, you, I mean, do you use leather? Do you use like some kind of uh, scuba webbing, man? Scuba webbing. webbing. Okay. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the, the the belt that I use, and there are many good ones out there. But um, you, you know, I, I use a, a uh, Aries uh, belt, mm-hmm. and it's got a nice square buckle. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll just show you guys. I mean, I you know I've got this uh, I've got this Aries belt okay. right here. You can see the nice square buckle, mm-hmm. and you can see that it's a nice holster, and you can see that it that it just yeah, I've got a nice high index on this right here, so that it comes out. And so it's it's every time yeah. I go, and every time I'm explosive, right, I'm right there, man. Yeah. I mean, I'm explosive to the gun. I mean, it's quick. Yeah. I mean, if Reed. you know, just so you draw, you know. Yeah. I'm sorry about the gun. I shouldn't have shown it yeah. live, but it's a holster, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so okay, let's uh, let's move on from that. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's the other thing. Okay, so here's what I wanted to ask you. Let's say we move past that, right? We move past the. Oh, well, actually, you you were talking about um, you were talking about your backup. What was your backup before we move on from that to um, to to rifles? What's your backup that you use? I carry typically. I'll carry a J Frame Smith in thirty eight. Mm-hmm. Okay, J J Frame Smith. That's been your backup for a long time. You haven't switched out of that. No, I, okay. I carry that as a backup because it's you know it's gonna give me it's gonna give me five shots of thirty eight, and um, I know it's gonna go off, and and I know that I can hit it twenty five yards. I mean, I can make headshots with it at twenty five yards, and and it's like for people out there that are looking for a backup gun, what you need to understand is. A backup gun shouldn't be a compromise. A backup gun should be a gun that you can shoot well mm-hmm. enough that's going to be able to, to save your life. So for me, a five-shot thirty-eight, and I'm running good ammo through it. I mean, I'm running Spear Gold Dot. So um, for me, it, it's it's about being able to, to hit the vitals or hit the central nervous system, you know? Okay. Um, so then let's move on to the rifle thing. So lots of people are buying rifles also, right? I think there's more folks buying handguns, so that's good. Rifle. Yeah. What would be your recommendation to folks uh, with rifles? And uh, we definitely don't need to see it. We, you know, no, 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 yeah. no, it's all good. <laughs> hey, I figured we, I figured we could toe the line on the envelope. Why yeah, not? yeah. Know? Okay, we'll it, see. But it's all good. It's good info. So, w- yeah. so what do you think about rifles for the folks out there that, you know, there's people out there for their first time getting a rifle. What should they think about? You know, I think there's people thinking like AK, AR. Should I get a 308? Should I, you know, should I do this thing? Should I, should I get 65 Creedmoor, 556, 223? It's oh, there's there's lots of options nowadays in, in the world that we live in. So what would you say about that? Um yeah, you know, generally speaking, I mean, if if you live out rural, I mean, an AK would do you well because you don't have to worry about overpenetration, you know, you don't have to worry about your neighbors, you don't mm-hmm. have to worry about like you know, putting around into your neighbor's house or anything. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if you live in the city or the suburbs, man, you know, you may want to reconsider that because, you know, the 30 cal stuff is going to penetrate. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what it's designed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at like, I'm looking at people that, uh, you know, if you live in a neighborhood and you got a neighbor's house close by, you know, you probably want a five, five, six AR. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not a gimmicky guy, man. You know, mm-hmm. I, I like uh, I like stuff that's been proven to work, that continues to work, mm-hmm. that that is money. Um, for me, that's an AR and five five six, and I really don't deviate from that if I'm okay. gonna you know use that for home defense because the, and in my book I mentioned that you know the five five six has been proven to penetrate 
even less than handgun rounds do inside structures. And this is not only the FBI that's done this research, but it's multiple law enforcement agencies across the country. Okay, is that like a specific kind of 5.56? Are you, you know, are you um, chambering it in, in something like hollow point or something defensive? Any of them. Okay. okay. Any of them. It certainly doesn't penetrate any more mm-hmm. than pistol rounds. And, and probably, it. in fact, I got a video about it where I had an old house on my property and uh, we shot a lot of the rounds into the house before we demolished it, and mm-hmm. um, and the 5.56 penetrated the walls the least of any gun. Hmm. Okay. It went through. I've I've got to go back and look at that video. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually a few years ago, maybe like four years ago. Oh, okay. All right. I've got yeah. to go back and see that. So, okay, cool. So 5.56. That's all you need. Uh, I I I do 300 blackout. Do you? Are you for or against that? You know, and I value your opinion. I know you're the kind of person who's going to say what you think, regardless. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's great, but I would just get an AK. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's a good thing for the AK. By the way, I hope someone's getting the book because I do want to get into the book here. Um, before we, So the next thing I want to talk about, the next part of that question that I wanted you to answer was the training part. Obviously, you're a trainer. You know, this is what you do. But, you know, what's your... Do you have like um, some kind of formula for how much money that people are expending to guns, ammo, etc. that goes into training? I, I mean, in my lifetime, man, I've I've spent way more on training than I have on firearms, mm-hmm. and that translates, you know, into into a serious skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, anybody that's been in class that's seen me shoot will will it, it's not that. You know, I try to burn the house down, and it's not that I'm I'm trying to like compete because I that's not my scene. You know, I'm not against it, but it's not my scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I could, you know, I mean, it's it's just it's not my deal. I mean, I'm a trainer, man. It's not about me; it's about the students. So, mm-hmm. um, for me, it's it's about I I would if if you're spending more on guns and ammo mm-hmm. than you are on training in a given year. That's it's wrong. I, I think that you should be spending. And this isn't just, you know, because I'm because I I have to sell classes. First of all, I don't have to sell classes. You know, secondly, our class has been sold out for six years. And I'm not saying this out of arrogance. I'm saying it's because God's blessed us. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing that I'll say is that whether it's with us or with another quality outfit like, you know, Paul Howe down at Combat Shooting and Tactics mm-hmm. um, down in Texas. I mean, he, he'd be a great guy to go train with. So it's not just about coming to Valor Ridge. I just think people need to get quality training in general. I think that you're going to find that for the price of a of a pistol or half the price for a rifle that you're going to learn lifelong skills. You're going to learn how to run the gun. You're going to learn how to shoot better. The instructor is going to be able to diagnose your technique and your mechanics, and they're going to be able to teach you what and how to practice. I think that's an ultimate benefit rather than going out and buying at several thousand rounds of ammo and just going to the range and making a mountain of brass. I mean, that's problematic because there's a lot of guys out there that have guns. There's a lot of people that buy a lot of ammo, and then they go out to the range and target shoot. Well, we don't need to target shoot. We need to practice and train. We need to practice. We need to learn what and how to practice. Mm-hmm. And so you, what you're actually going to find is that you'll actually shoot less ammo, more efficiently, and you'll do it better if you get a professional training class. Mm-hmm. So, you know, for me, it's, it's about going to quality instructors, and I would definitely vet instructors. You know, I would I – would, do they have shooting accomplishments? Do they have military experience. Do they have law enforcement experience. You know, I, I would look at that whole uh, spectrum, and and furthermore, do they actually know how to teach? So I would look at all of those things, and um, 
mm-hmm. because there's a lot of guys out there that, that you know they may start a training school and, and their students may shoot a lot of rounds but they don't learn anything mm-hmm. i mean i've had people that have come from those kind of schools where they've shot a, a lot of rounds and then they've come out to the ridge and like we had to like change their life you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i would so here's something i would interject you know into the conversation about training which i'm not a trainer um at all but just from my side observing it I would say that if you're a person out there thinking about going to someone to do training, or if you're just you're you're just you know even before you think about the specific person, you're thinking about training. I think think about w- why did you why did you get these guns? What was what was the purpose of it? So if the purpose of it was to compete, like you were talking about competition shooting, I think that's a whole thing, and there's yeah. nothing wrong with it. You want to be all in that. If your purpose was to um, to shoot long distance or, you know, your purpose might have been just to like show off to your buddies or whatever it is, nothing wrong with that. You need to like identify that first, in my opinion, and then think about, you know, what you want to do when you go to a trainer. What do you think? Sure. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, for me, I decided years ago that mm-hmm. uh, I was going to focus on self-defense shooting versus competitive shooting Mm -hmm. i mean that doesn't mean that the skill still isn't there i mean Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean that you know you still can't go out and and compete if you want to i mean i i stay pretty sharp when it comes to shooting pistols like i see what the top guys are doing and then i go out and and Mm -hmm. and do what they do Mm -hmm. but but for me that stuff has zero application um has zero 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 application did you uh, did you ever did you ever competitively shoot before? No, I never oh, okay. did. Right. But I, I, no, I've I've been to places like Rogers. I mean, I've been mm-hmm. to Rogers Shooting School, which is considered one of the hardest ones in the okay. in the country. And mm-hmm. you know, I shot advanced there from concealment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's just and and I've gotten and that was four years ago. I've gotten exponentially better since then. And I, you know, when I do drills, I go out on the range and I see what you know the masters, grandmasters are shooting, and then I you know I'll go out and shoot what they do and on the timer and everything. But but for me, that has zero application to real street time. Um, so when I, when I do that, just, you know, I do that to, I guess, not keeping up with the Joneses, but I do it just to, uh, you know, see where I'm at on an individual level, but I don't teach that stuff in class, right? Like when I'm in class, I teach people to draw deliberately, shoot deliberately, target discriminate, um, you know, make sure that you're doing your muzzle control and your, and your positions carefully stuff that you actually use Mm -hmm. because in gunfights, people shoot way too fast. All we have to do is watch police footage all over the country. We watch all this stuff and all these competitive shooting techniques fail in reality time and time and time again you're exposing yourself to a multiple opponent battlefield you're going to get mm-hmm. shot yeah uh, you, you try to shoot faster than your skill level allows you're mm-hmm. going to get shot mm-hmm. um you know you you spaz out and you get outside of your bandwidth you're going to probably get hurt so what we what i teach people to do is is accuracy over speed 100 percent of the time mm-hmm. and although i practice at speed and i shoot fast i don't do that when i'm actually doing my shoot house target discrimination i take my time i discriminate the targets i make sure they shoot no shoot targets i you know sometimes have other people set up the shoot house with different targets and i do that but i think that that the key here is for for people beginning is that you got to have good fundamentals you got to start with good mechanics you have to start with deliberation and it all starts with with the mentality right it all starts here and it flows through here and eventually you come to the point where it all flows through here yeah and that's what i'm going for okay very cool there's a couple of questions coming in that i just want to take um our comments um 
Let me start with, uh, there's someone out there that's, uh, I think John Voorhees says that he, uh, he watches YouTube videos as a training source since he doesn't have uh, money to go to a trainer. Um, what do you think about that? And then also, do you have any advice for the, for the folks out there where money, like, obviously is a thing? Some people are actually uh, younger people, and they therefore they don't have the money, and some people are just in that position for whatever reason in life that they don't have a lot of money. So what, what do you think about yeah. that? Oh, it's, it's definitely understandable. I mean, when I was a graduate assistant and I was working on my master's degree, I made like 900 bucks a month. Wow. Uh, so I totally understand, you know, I'm mm -hmm. not this guy that, you know, is rolling. It's, I'm not like Scrooge McDuck diving into my <laughs> gold vault every day. Um, right. You know, so I understand it, you know, mm -hmm. and, and so my advice is that I've had students that have saved up for many months. I mean, they I had a Jimmy John's driver save up his tips for, for several months and then he came to class. I've had a you know, retired couples on a fixed income that they didn't make much and they saved up to come. And, and so I get it. But if you've got a gun you haven't shot in a year, what I would recommend doing is probably selling that to get some cash to actually learn some real stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and people buy ammo all the time. I mean, they buy guns all the time or they'll buy equipment or they'll buy DVDs. All that stuff adds up. Mm -hmm. So what I would do is I would definitely budget for it. And I still, like even today, I mean, I pay for all the classes that I go take. I mean, I don't train at a whole lot of other places anymore, but I do train at some. And and it's like, it, I understand the value of training. I understand the value of being away from work, of being away from your family and friends. Like I recognize that. It, mm -hmm. is, a, it is there. But videos aren't the same as actually being in a class. And all of our students say the same thing. They're like, dude, I watched your YouTube videos. I've read the books. But it's not even comparable to actually being here in class. So you yeah. get a lot more value being there than you do by buying uh, guns and yeah, DVDs. or watching the videos. Like I've I've done some videos of your class, and I don't think people should look at that. Like what I'm trying to do with that is give them a little bit of the flavor of you know who you are, where that place is, etc. But it's tough for me, for example, to be there actually training and at the same time making videos. And even if we got like a full crew in there to try to record what it is. You, you, I don't think there's any way to do that. You really just have to get out there and, and do a class to do that. Let sure. me let me um, hit some other, let me see if there's a, Brian Quick, I'm trying to stay like in the same category, so that's why I'm jumping around to some of the questions that people have. Brian Quick says, does Reed have a force on force class? We do, yeah, it's the active shooter. We do some force on force in there. Um, we do, uh, here, here's, here's my system. And, and the way that I've, that I've set up my system is this. It, it has to go from flat range, right? You're, you, you, so we learn on the flat range, which mm -hmm. is where we ingrain those mechanics and fundamentals. Then we have to go to the shoot house where we do target discrimination. Mm -hmm. Then we have to go to force on force and then the fourth and final step is the street. So I only teach techniques that work on the street. So if we're if we're teaching techniques that fail at any one of those uh, junctures, it's a useless technique. So I don't I don't even bother with that. I mean the purpose of training is to get to the street. So to to answer his question, do I have a force on force class? Yes, active shooter. Mm -hmm. uh, we have force on force training in that where we make the student uh, actually make a decision. Uh, in the scenario with the role players. So yeah, we do. Okay, very cool. Uh, Bob Rocks, this is a comment. He says, um, I took a class with Reed. He definitely teaches deliberate fundamentals and safety first. So shout out. I'm not sure if you're, if you're aware of who Bob Rocks is. I mean, that could be his YouTube name <laughs> versus... Um, uh, Sean Mills, we got someone else, says, uh, awesome yeah. classes and instructors. Can't wait to go back. The lectures alone 
are worth are worth the price of tuition. Absolutely. And the 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 there's I think I feel like in any training in in most training classes, let's say most, <laughs> there's always a, a feeling of like fellowship and stuff like that with the other folks that you go there and you train with and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I, I think you will you will always feel that the, that it's worth it. So um, let's see. I try to I try to attract. Um, you know, I try to put out just who I am inherently. I try to put out the kind of people that I want to be around. You know, I'm not in this to make a buck. I'm not in this to make money. I, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I never started it to make any money. I mean, that that's not why I did it. Now, I do this job or profession, I should say, because I want to rather mm-hmm. than because I have to. I mean, the reality and, and I mean, like I said, the reality is that I could going to some Caribbean island right now and teach scuba diving for the rest of my life and I'd be more than comfortable doing that but yeah, but I that doesn't but I sound too this. bad that doesn't no, sound terrible it, it doesn't but yeah. I but I enjoy this too much right. I enjoy people I enjoy the people too much and I enjoy what we do because I think that we are saving lives and the emails and the letters that I've received over the years mm-hmm. of people that have actually used this information to save their lives and the training Mm-hmm. That's been worth any any income or any kind of business revenue. Absolutely, I think I think. Look, to me, teachers are very important. I come from a family of teachers. I think it's a very important thing. It's one of those things that I hope changes in America after this, because I think for like re, you know unions and politics and stuff like that, the whole uh, profession of being a teacher in America and lots of, and play, other places around the world is kind of like really twisted. Um, but but teachers are some of the most important people. In everyone's life, everyone's life. So um, let me let me get let me get on this thing about ammo. Rocky Mountain Bear <laughs> was asking about how much ammo. Um, then there's a there's a, what's the other? Let me see. Rocky Mountain Bear. He said how much ammo. There's some other ammo questions here that I want to get to. Uh, American Freedom Outdoors says what ammo do you use most of the time when you train? Um, if you want to hit some of those. Yeah, just cheap ball. <laughs> it's the, you know, I mean, whatever shoots good in your gun. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're gonna go train, I mean, you know, figure. And each gun is so different. Like I could tell you exactly, you know, what my training ammo works in my gun, but mm-hmm. in in the people watching this video, like their gun may hate that ammo. It may like shoot it like a shotgun pattern, and mm-hmm. you know, so each gun is unique. It likes what it likes, and so you know, free mm-hmm. in each one of my rifles or each one of my pistols, it has a very specific load that it likes, and. We figured that out by trial and error. Yeah. I'm throwing up some comments. Uh, Brandon Larrabee says, Reed is an awesome guy, teacher, instructor, and leader. Let his love of history let you judge his present. So there you go. That's from Brandon Larrabee. I'm appreciate trying to give you that. some kudos, man. No, no, I want I you to get that. some kudos. You're hiding up there in the mountains. You don't know. <laughs> you don't really understand how much people out there love you and appreciate you for what you do. So... We want to let you know, let the folks get a chance to get that out there. Streamlight says, uh, "I've trained uh, with with Reed and his crew twice. It's the real deal, and I plan on going uh, for more in the near future." So there you that's go. That's awesome. That's, that's awesome. That's from that's from those guys. Let me see. Uh, I'm trying to see if there's any other uh, questions that people want to get into right now. So what about the book? I know it's getting dark out there. I would really like to see this book. I remember what you put the you put the book you out a couple months ago, right? Yeah, a rifle, please. Um, yeah, yeah I, it is getting dark, Hank. But don't yeah. let that no, don't no, let no, don't absolutely. no no. I know darkness doesn't <laughs> you know when you're I remember. yeah you know when you're a wolf you know you see better in the dark. <laughs> oh Lord Lord Nelson, um, uh, back in in the British Empire, Lord Nelson, uh, he was an admiral and mm-hmm. and uh, he actually spelled a guy. Um, 
on watch on one of his ships and it was a cold cool night and mm-hmm. and he didn't even wear an overcoat and and so one of the guys came up to lord nelson and this is an admiral of an entire fleet standing watch on a ship and they said uh admiral sir are are you know lord nelson are you are you not uh are you not cold? He says, my zeal for my country keeps me warm. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good one, good one. Yeah, here's I get a, here's a, yeah let's take a look. A, at, yeah. That's pistol craft. I've got mm-hmm. one there. Oh, okay. And, uh, okay. And then I've got a rifle. I think i got a copy of the American Rifleman floating around here somewhere. So where can uh, so pistol craft, where can folks get uh, these books that you've put out? Amazon, actually. And so okay. uh, they if they go to Amazon and, and type in uh, pistol craft, and then here's the American Rifleman. Right here. Awesome. Okay. So, so pistol craft is specifically about pistols. I'm guessing. Uh, yeah. You know, to walk us through pistol craft first, and then tell us a little bit about American riflemen, what we can expect in there. Pistol craft, to me, uh, you know, and, and I've studied the historiography of pistol shooting in this country. I mean, I looked at the greats. You know, I, I looked at guys like, uh, you know, Fairbairn and Sykes and Abraham Himmelwright and. And uh, Powell, you know, all the British guys, you know, JBL, no, I, I looked at all those old school guys. And for me, you know, the old school guys have the answers. I mean, they've got the answers to the test. You just need to be smart enough to listen to them. And so um, when I when I started researching this, I mean, I, I used dozens and dozens of books. I mean, some of the books you can't even get anymore. Mm-hmm. So um, so I looked at that and I, and I decided, OK, I looked at the historiography. I looked at the span of writings on this and I realized that, you know what? There's a huge gap. I mean, th- there was a huge gap um, of, of a comprehensive pistol work. I mean, there were guys that did cool stuff. I mean, there's guys that wrote awesome books and even within the last couple of decades. But. An overview of pistol technique and uh, an overview of like uh, just an amazing uh, things that that people have have volunteered and, and and taught us guys like Jeff Cooper and you know Chuck Taylor and uh, I mean just there's so many cool guys out there and so I wanted to have a comprehensive thing that honored the history of pistol shooting in the world not just here in America because the British I mean, they contributed so much, and so I, I wanted to make sure that I honored the British, you know, our cousins across the pond. But um, I looked at it not just as a, as a history of, of pistol craft, but also a technique to take what is old and and make that uh, you know, kind of meld that with the flavors of modernity. I mean, the the, the title of the book is is forging past with present. Mm-hmm. So we use the lessons from the past and, and improve upon them. I mean, that's that's why it's called pistol craft because it's this ever evolving thing. But I don't like new and gimmicky stuff. I don't I don't like people reinventing the wheel. And what you're gonna find is like every ten years, somebody's gonna um, try to reinvent the wheel. They're gonna try failed techniques with a different name. But if you just read the literature from, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years ago, you'll find that that technique was tried and that it failed and that there's even commentary about how it failed. Hmm. So we, we know what works. And I, as a historian, I love this. I mean, I spent thousands of hours reading all those guys' books. And, and that's why there's so many footnotes in the book is because I honor the people that came before me. I didn't come up with a lot of this stuff. You know, a lot of the guys that came from the past came up with this stuff. And so I made sure that they were given credit. And that's why I footnote it. So that's kind of what Pistol Craft is about. It's about honoring the guys like Jeff Coopers and the Chuck Taylors and, um, you know, the, the guys like Fairbairn and Sykes and Rex Applegate and, um, you know, the old school guys. Okay, you know, cool. And- By the way, uh, Lola's got links. She's throwing up links out there for folks. 
And um, I'll try to put these like in my Amazon. Um, I've got like an Amazon wish list or something. I'll try to throw those in there after this so that you guys could find it. Okay, so that's the uh, the pistol craft one. Uh, the rifles. Uh, what was the thinking behind that? I think there's a little bit too much light on you. You look. Yeah, there you go. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't yeah, want to look like Moses coming down from Sinai, you know? <laughs> yeah. The golden. Would, you look like the golden boy that. right now. Like you're made of brass right now. No, no, no. <laughs> no. Yeah. It's funny. Yeah. See if uh, you can get better? them to bounce that off the wall next to you. Tell them to bounce that light off the wall. We can see. Yeah, there you go. That's a lot. A little bit more towards the wall. Right there? No, towards the wall. That way? Yeah. Yeah, a little yeah. bit further. Can yeah, we do it a little bit over that side? Yeah, that way it'll bounce. It'll bounce off of that wall on you. There you go. That's yeah. good. That's good. Yeah. So tell us about the uh, rifle one. Um, rifle book. You know, it, it practically wrote itself. You know, thank the Lord. I mean, it would be like I would wake up early every morning, and um, you know, of course, obviously on non-class days, I would uh, I would wake up and you know get a cup of coffee going, get a couple cigars, and mm -hmm. you know write 20, 30 pages in the morning, and then take a break, and then go do grounds maintenance, and and so it it, it practically wrote itself compared to the pistol book. I mean, the pistol book took me like a year and a half. Wow. Okay. And the rifle book took me like a few months. Oh, okay. So, and even though, and it's weird because the rifle book is longer than the pistol one is, and um, it, and it's like I said, I've just been blessed, man. I mean, I, I didn't come up with this. I mean, if it wasn't, you know, if it wasn't for the Lord, man, I wouldn't have any of these ideas. I wouldn't have any of the success or any of the um, friendships or anything. I mean, I, you know, it's, I mean, yeah, you got to do the work. I mean, you've got to go out and do it, but um, at the end of the day, I mean you know, I realize that it can all be taken away from you in a moment's notice. And mm -hmm. so I don't ever take it for granted. So the rifle book for me was, uh, and, and the guy that, that, that I remember, and I'm really regret not putting in the book. I, I just didn't think about it, but a friend of mine, James Owens, um, he said, we're a nation born of armed rebellion. And, um, and so I really liked that. I mean, I had thought that myself in years past, but he's the one that actually articulated it. And so, I thought, what a great title, or a subtitle, I should say. I mean, mm -hmm. American Rifleman's a title, Born of Armed Rebellion, is the, is the subtitle. And I said, well, we are Born of Armed Rebellion. I mean, that's what started the American Revolution. So Yeah, absolutely. You know, so absolutely. I thought it was cool. Yeah. So I wanted that to be the theme. And so I incorporate some techniques and some muzzle positions and marksmanship and all that. But the, but the main section of the book that I really want people to look at is the purpose section. I want people to realize, like, why we have rifles and yeah it's for home defense yeah it's for neighborhood defense but at the end of the day it's also to maintain our republic yeah you know? absolutely let me ask you this question before i forget here um are there audio versions of these books available no 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 oh, okay. there's not that, that's a that's a different enterprise and a different yeah. endeavor how man. can we get that to happen man so you know some folks out there can be listening to these books while they're in their cars <laughs> and stuff like that uh i mean so. that's that's like you got to hire a narrator. Like you could you do, do it. You could, yeah, you could narrate it. I don't. I don't know if I have the acoustics and oh. all the. You know, it's just, it, it's crazy. I, you know, I know I know people like the podcast and they like driving and mm -hmm. things like that. But um, for me, I think true knowledge comes from having the physical book mm -hmm. in your hand. You know, when I study Torah, you know, I I've, I've got it in my hand and I'm reading it. So it's like with with gun books, it's. It's like you got to have it in your hand, and you got to actually like interface with it on a physical level. Okay, understood, understood. I'm gonna get I'm gonna get my hands on these books. You know, uh, maybe we'll we'll talk about them here on the podcast and uh, help get the message out to the folks. I know you've told me before that like this whole thing is an art. 
it's like a martial art, right? Yeah. Uh, you want to do you want to expand on that a little bit? It is an art, and I, I mean, I, I mean, firearms not just not just the act of of shooting the firearms, but but the teaching of the firearms. I mean, I get more gratification out of the teaching than I do the shooting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that doesn't mean I don't enjoy shooting. I love it. It's one of my favorite activities in the world. Mm-hmm. But um, for me, it's 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 the art of putting on the perfect class, mm-hmm. where every ex where every explanation is understood by every student in the class the the terminology the delivery the presentation mm-hmm. the environment it, but firearms the the art of learning firearms it, it is an art you know and and it's not just for killing it's not just for shooting it's not just for all of these things that go into it that that's not what it's about it's it's about the preservation of life and using the tools that are available for for me it, it's I couldn't live in a place where you couldn't have these things, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I wouldn't want to even go through the process of even applying for a permit, so to speak. I I think that's abhorrent. So for for me, it's it is an art. It's um, it's the sustainer of life. It's the physical sustainer of life, every bit as much as food and water. And that's how serious I take it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think like you know. I don't know, maybe it's the definition of art for some people, because I think people understand what we're saying, but for some people, maybe it's definition of art. We're not talking about like an art, this is something you paint and you put on a wall. I think it's a life that, it's a way that you live your life, a philosophy, uh, discipline, uh, almost a religion of, yeah. of how you live your life. And um, I, think that's, I think that's very true. It's, it's something for, like I know since you told me that, it's been, you know, just going around and around in my brain <laughs> you know it's amazing hank you know it's amazing i mean all this stuff is in is in the bible mm-hmm. i mean they, they talk about uh they, they talk about the mixed multitude coming up out of egypt armed mm-hmm. you know what do you what do you think they were armed with i mean they were <laughs> they were armed with swords and spears and, and every i mean mm-hmm. passover is coming up next week so mm-hmm. you know i i think that 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 there is a very much a a spiritual basis Mm-hmm. You know, for for being armed and preserving your way of life, and and for me, it's it's preserving the American way of life. I, yeah. I think there's no greater country on earth, man. There's yeah. nothing that even compares. You know, this is so. Let's say we put it in. A, let's say we put it in the context of nature, right? And this is something that I've often thought about. There's lots of folks out there that would not agree with us when it comes to the Second Amendment or firearms or people being able to defend themselves. But, you know, they love the planet. They love the creatures on the planet. So do I. I love, I love the planet, okay? Uh, I love the, all the creatures that, that are on the planet. So imagine, you know, the, the creatures out there that are clawed, right? They have claws to defend themselves. And imagine you took those claws away from them, right? Imagine the cats and the dogs and all the other creatures, all the other beautiful creatures that we have on this planet that have claws to protect themselves, and you took that away from them. If you go look it up, there's a lot of those people saying, please, don't declaw these animals, right? They're saying that, but yet they don't, but yet for some reason, they believe that they should also be, that, that us as human beings, we should be declawed. Well, I think it's a naivety. I, I think that, that, that it's a naivete that is uh, repulsive and repugnant to me. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I remember um, many years ago there was a, in Bosnia and, you know, they, who knows what kind of crazy stuff's going on over there. But mm-hmm. uh, 
the powder keg of Europe is the mm-hmm. Balkans. And uh, I, I remember they, they were talking about, you know, this reporter uh, was going and investigating all these like uh, genocidal things happening and you know, all these mass killings and everything. And they're investigating it. The journalist says, uh, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, we're all human. We're in the global village and blah, blah, blah. And all this like platitude BS that doesn't mean anything to people that live in reality. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember that they, they the woman, this, this journalist asked this person, uh, why, um, why didn't you just, you know, call the police? Mm-hmm. And the, the, <laughs> the, the, the person, the person, the person paused and, and had a very introspective moment and said, uh, who do you think was doing all the killing? Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's this amazing thing. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's so amazing to me, like how people can, can, like, it's not the individual. I mean, individuals are always responsible for their actions, but, but without the, the teeth of government, it's, it's, it's very small scale. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing to think about that. And I think, you know, we've like you've probably lived through some stuff like this. Like, you know, we were talking about emergencies, and I think that's like the title of the whole show tonight. Emergencies. You've lived through some emergencies, right? Before we get out of here, I I would like for you to share your experience or some of your experiences. I know there may be things you don't want to talk about that you've lived through, but I'm interested to 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 like hear about that from your point of view, that we're going through this thing now. That it's a little weird for everyone that even though we see on the news, we see all around the world, people are being affected by this thing. But we've gone through emergencies before. And even there's like memes of people saying like, this is the 10th apocalypse. This is the 20th apocalypse (laughs) that I've survived, you know. Oh, no, no, no. I think we're on. I think we're on right now. So you can go check and see if we're on, if we're back on. I see people popping in and stuff like that. (laughs) Okay, so I think we're back. We're back. We might have to do some editing. Uh, we might have to do some editing of this. <laughs> uh, you're making history, Reed. Oh, geez, whatever. Like they, they can, they can kiss my, you know what, man. Like I just, you, I just want a fist fight. You talk like, about, out, you talk about history. You are part of history right now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we can, we can go out to the middle of the field and fist fight, man. Like you know, for fighting and control of the country. I mean, I'll, I'll gladly yeah. fist fight. Well, this is, this is just a level uh, to me. Here, I'll tell you what's happening. This is a le- This is an attack on uh, on our liberties like we were talking about where we literally can't get up here and we can't uh we can't show certain things you know and they've oh, come up with a reason and the like so for example let me tell you this story because i don't think we had a chance for me to tell you this story so back um i think it was like november or something like that of last year 2019 um youtube reached out to me and they said hey we want to talk to you about something so I immediately got worried about that, you know, and they, and I was like, okay, listen, I'll talk to you guys. They wanted to call me and I agreed to, to talk to them. They kept sending me NDAs. They sent like four or five of these NDAs that I had to sign off agreeing not to talk about this until a certain time or whatever. So when I got on the call, it was like one person and about four lawyers. Three or four lawyers were on this call with me. And basically they were telling me like, hey, we're, we're changing the rules for when people go live. And we've talked to the big YouTubers about this. We want to talk to you as well. I'm not a big YouTuber at all, you know, when it comes to this. And this channel is about 7,000 subscribers. But they, but they said that they realize as a gun guy, I go live often. 
you know, obviously for this podcast that we're doing. And basically they were telling me that they wanted to create this rule that we cannot handle firearms while we're live. You know, and I was like, this is the most outrageous thing that I've ever heard of. And, and I wanted to know why they said, oh, because people have done bad things. They've gone live and done bad things and killed people and broadcast all of that stuff live. And I was like, OK, I get it. One, I don't think this rule is going to stop that. And two, what does that have to do with me? I've been doing this for years, <laughs> you know, and, and I'm, I'm, I have, you know, I've been doing i've got this channel other channels i'm a gun guy I, I you know all these things that i'm telling them that i'm a professional i've never you know done anything why do we have to know like well you know it's it's not just because of you it's because of these people and so even i went on to say to them how are you gonna know like if i'm showing a video because they said you could show videos they said you could have guns in the background and stuff like that you could show a picture and i was like who's gonna be able to tell the difference of that and basically they said we're gonna have someone watching you <laughs> you know oh whatever man so and that's exactly that's exactly what's going on uh there's people there's people watching us and um that's kind of insane and it's one of the things about losing so like i was telling you about losing your friday right when we first started doing this i mean if anyone's interested you can go see a video that i have up about this but basically a friend of mine was telling me how he had a friend who got who like used to hang out with the boys and go party and stuff like that, play dominoes, drink, whatever. And then he got he met, he met a girl, fell in love, got married. And when they got married, he still would go out every Friday and, and party and have fun, you know, play, play dominoes or chess or whatever with the guys, drink and stuff like that. But, but one Friday he got sick, he didn't do it. The next week when he was going to hang out with his boys, his wife was like, where are you going? And he was like, I'm going to go do what I always do. And she said, no, you didn't do it last Friday, so you don't ever have to do that again. You know, and, and my friend said, that's losing your Friday, you know, and I, and I feel like that's the same thing that's happening here to us, that people keep coming up with these emergency things. Oh, there's guys doing bad things, go live and online and they do bad things and they kill people and they do all these things. And because of that, we have to do this to you. You know, now yeah, yeah, we've yeah. got to watch you specifically. Watching me has nothing to do with those bad actors. I'm never going to do what those people have done. I do what I do to combat those bad guys out there right so yeah but, we, you, but we've lost think, it here obviously yeah you would think i mean i i don't know man i i just it's all laughable to me mm -hmm. it's all so absurd it's comedical and uh you know it, it is what it is man yeah I, i'd i just want to know who it was like like just be honest like tell me who you are we can we can go to a field we can fist fight like we can <laughs> grapple like we can we can do whatever you want to do but like uh, at the end of the day like it's a, it, look it's probably several things i'm sure there's probably someone watching us or or there's there's people who are watching us like you know we we have it you've got haters right i've got haters when you come here on the show i don't typically talk about that because with you because we're friends and there's no yeah. hate between me and you no, you know we're no. friends matter of fact i love you man i think you're an yeah. awesome dude I'm, I'm glad that we met we met when i first started doing this thing like seven years ago uh i've never regretted that moment of meeting you and all that you know so here we are doing this thing and i don't spend a lot of time talking about it but we all have haters and people who are who watch us so they can like you know <laughs> be there when something goes wrong so they can report it to the gestapo this oh, is yeah. this is what happens in life. It's nature. And even in the gun community, there's haters who are out there working actively against other gun people. 
Oh, I love it. I mean, you try to find, you know, try to find the, uh, try to find the chink in the armor. You know, there, there isn't yeah. any. So, uh, yeah. so come at me, you yeah. know, I love it. I love it. You know, it, it's amazing. Like you'd think that, 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 you know, you'd be rooting for a veteran and, you know, a teacher and all this to, to succeed and, you no. know, start your own business. But I don't know the ego. I think there's a lot of people's insecurities out there, man. And, um, you know, there, there's a lot of people's insecurities. There's a lot of people that, that hate, uh, uh, that hate other people being successful. I want everybody to be successful. I want everybody to, to live their pursuit of happiness. And, um, you know, there, there's other people out there that, that claim to be freedom minded. You know, they claim to be libertarian, but but they're the opposite of that. Mm-hmm. They and when things would break bad, they would be some kind of little cult leader mm-hmm. um, that would try to hurt other people. And and it's guys like that 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 I know. You know, eventually you may have to put down. Yeah. So uh, and I don't think things. Know. I don't think things are breaking bad. I don't think we're going to wake up no. tomorrow in the apocalypse. I think things are just slowly going bad. You know? Yeah, it'll it'll be it'll be that way. But you know, I, I think light uh, light is always more visible than darkness, man. And mm-hmm. um, you know, for me for me, it's about it's about being a, a beacon of light, and and not that that there's anything special about what we do at the ridge. I, I think mm-hmm. that uh, oh, although we do do amazing stuff, and I'm very grateful for that. Mm-hmm. But I think I, I think in times of darkness, I think that that truth permeates darkness, and I think that light permeates darkness, and I think that. That when people understand the, um, you know, what is the point of this? This is about preservation of life, and you are such an important part of not only the Second Amendment, Hank, but I mean, you you're perpetuating the First Amendment. I mean, you're you, you always pride yourself on being that storyteller, about being that journalist or that that person that brings information and mm-hmm. art to other people, and that's that's what I love about you, man. I'm not an artistic person. I mean, I am when it comes to firearms, but I think you're creative. Yeah, general. I think you're creative. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to you, you things, wrote a book. I mean, you wrote two books. Come on now. <laughs> well, that's just that's that's it's just about you know talking about things that you enjoy. But I yeah. mean, you're you're, you know, you got that whole thing, man. You got the storyteller thing. I mean, you, I mean, to me, you're the quintessential American story. I mean, because you came to this country. I mean, your father. I mean, he he came to this country. It's almost like a. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I mean, it's exactly what needs to happen is people that believe in this place that came and worked hard and you had some hard times, but you built yourself up. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's really cool, man. And that's one thing we talked about and we we're, you know, had the privacy at the fire pit, mm-hmm. you know, just chilling out. I mean, that was one of the things that when I when I learned that about you when I learned that about your family, um, I realized I was like, wow, man, there's a lot more depth to this guy than, <laughs> than I, in a good way, yeah. you know, in a very good way. Awesome. Yeah. Listen, you know what I think? Uh, first of all, I appreciate what you're saying. Yeah, man, this is genuinely, like you said, this is not a thing I do for money. I could tell you something right now. I could do, uh, there's, there's, I have options of things I could do to make more money, right? Oh, yeah. And it's not to say, hey, look, I could, I could spend more money too, you know? I mean, mm-hmm. I've got things I could do with that money. This is something that I do out of pure passion. I don't even think, I know my parents, um, sacrifice to come here my mom's no longer here my dad is still here but they gave up things and they don't and they don't even completely understand the freedom um that we have right they don't even completely get that but they did it so that i could get it you know and i'm doing what i'm doing so that my sons could get it and my grandchildren after that could get this and i think one of the things that a lot of people out there who um, even like in our own community are working against us. And I'm not just talking about the haters. I think a lot of the stuff going on with the gun laws, we have gun experts giving the other side info 
you know, and th- and that's why we're seeing a lot of things coming at us the way that they are and why they're so specific and even so detailed. But here's the thing I want people to know. Like, I don't define winning the same way that everyone else does. You know, to me, I define winning as fighting, right? When I, when I get up, just like my parents, like my dad could have, both of my parents could have done pretty well off in Guyana, to be honest with you. A lot of times when I look at coming to America, I think like, oh man, that, that reminds, I feel a lot like that, right? They could have done pretty well staying in Guyana, but they decided to give up everything to come here. And to me, the definition of winning is when you fight, when, knowing that you could lose. And people think, oh, if you, lo- if you lose this, then you're a loser. No. You know, if you get up and you fight something, then that's when you win, right there. When you decide in your heart that you're going to fight back and no matter what people do to you and how many times they push you down and like play all the games that people, human beings want to pl- play with other human beings, that you still get up and you keep fighting. And that's like how I personally define winning. I have a feeling that you're a lot the same way. Yeah, um, Stonewall Jackson, you know, he, he, he told, of which I have many relatives that fought in the Stonewall Brigade and with the 11th Virginia and, and the people attached to him. Um, mm-hmm. I remember, you know, when he when he talked to his men, um, he said, you fought valiantly. I mean, this is before he died, of course. He said, you fought valiantly. You've, you've conducted yourself with honor on the field of battle. You've already won. Mm-hmm. Amen. And, um, you know, it, it, it's in, in you know Lee after Gettysburg. You know, it, um, Longstreet said, "I mean, there's no way. You know, there's no way we can win it now." And 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 Lee said, "Winning? I mean, was was that ever really the question? I mean, was that really ever the issue?" Mm-hmm. So, you know, my ancestors. I mean, I, and I and I recognize who I come from and and to whom I'm accountable, right? I mean, we all hopefully should think about these spiritualists, but. You know, I look at my ancestors. I mean, you know, they fought the Egyptians, they fought the Canaanites, they fought the Greeks, they fought the Romans, they fought. I mean, and they're still here. And on the other side of my family, they fought the English. They fought, um, you know, people trying to clear them out of the highlands. Man, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, they, you know, they they maintain their way of life with with honor. I mean, we we protected. I mean, my our clan, I was Clan Henderson. I mean, we 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 protected the king the until the very end, the king of Scotland until the very end. And you know, even then, uh, we, they came over here to the United States and and protected their their land and their territory and their way of life. And uh, I've got several seventh generation great grandfathers that that fought for the Continental Army. Uh, you know, that fought constantly against the British during the Revolutionary War, not only in the Continental Army, but also in the in the militia. Uh, you know, so I get that in the war between the states. I, I've got, you know, 55 direct ancestors that, that fought against a tyrannical centralized government. So, yeah, this uh, is in your blood, man. It's in it's written on your DNA for you to be a fighter. It is, and not just a fighter, but a fighter for the right reasons, which is it's protection of your way of life against a tyrannical central government. And, you know, when you know uh, that you're in the right, it doesn't matter whether you win or lose. What matters is that you step up to the plate. And I, you know, I, I tell people this all the time. And, I, you know, I, I just, you know, I'm a little bit more candid in my interviews anymore, uh, mm-hmm. depending, you know, it depends on who it is, but I'm, I'm generally a lot more candid uh, and less reserved than I am anymore because I just simply... I just simply want this passion to be to be shown to people. I, I've achieved 
everything that I've ever wanted to achieve, man. I've, I've got, uh, you know, I've, I've, I'm more than comfortable financially. I've, I've got uh, my land and my house paid off. I've got uh, status. Uh, I mean, amongst even not just against my contemporary, not just with my contemporary peers in this profession, but even with the older generation, they very much respect who I am and what I do. So I've got recognition professionally. I've got great people in my life. I've got great family and friends. So I've got this entire thing that everyone, uh, you know, generally strives to do. But at the end of the day, it, it doesn't mean a whole lot to me if the vessel that, that made this all possible, the country, the United States of America, if, if that doesn't function the way that it's supposed to, it doesn't mean none of that other stuff means anything to me. And I would gladly, and I do mean this with the utmost sincerity, I would gladly lay all that other stuff on an altar mm -hmm. if, if, if I could just ensure that the people that come after me, whether that's my nieces or uh, my, my friend's kids – if they could be more free than what we are right now, and I and I don't have any reason to believe this. I don't have no, I have no reason to feel that way, right? I have no reason to feel the way that that at any given moment I would be willing to do this, uh, but I am. Mm -hmm. You know, I am willing to do it, and I don't. I can't lose in the next thirty years the freedoms that I've lost in the last third in the last thirty years, and expect everything to be hunky dory. I don't want to be a sixty, you know, seventy year old man. Uh, wishing, oh, back in the day, if I would have just stood up, it would have been different. No, I don't want to be the Uncle Rico. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be anything other than than somebody that helps other people uh, reclaim the heritage of what it means to be an American. And I've lived a fulfilling life, man. I've In, 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 in almost 40 years, I, I've lived 100 lifetimes, right? Mm -hmm. so, yeah. so I have nothing. I have nothing else that I want to achieve. I have nothing else that that I, that I you know I don't want to make a buttload of money I don't want to have all this you know go to all these little functions and, and everybody shake your hand I don't want any of that you know what I want is to be is I want I want the people that come after me to live unmolested man yeah you know I don't I don't want them to be slaves to this federal leviathan and uh and this weird ideology that everything's acceptable all the time and that you can be anything you want at any given moment that's absurd it's demonic and um you know, I, I just I, – I've, I've told people this all the time, man. Like if you question my patriotism and if you question uh, the degree that, that I'm willing to lay my life down for my country, and I don't mean the, the land and I don't even mean the – I mean the principles that found this country. If you doubt this for one second, I've already done it. I've stood up to tyrannical government on the soil before. I've, mm -hmm. I've armed up and went out and did it in defense with people I didn't even know, but I went out there for principles. So, you know, if people have any doubt about that whatsoever, that I think that we need to reflect on this as, as individuals and reflect on this as, uh, as family and friends because this is the vessel. Without this vessel, without this country, we don't have the ability to do anything else, man. Yeah. We don't have the ability. We don't have our – the family doesn't mean anything. The, 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 the Second Amendment doesn't mean anything unless it's respected. The First Amendment doesn't mean anything unless it's respected. The, the Fourth, the Fifth, the, on and on and on we go up to the entire Bill of Rights. It doesn't mean anything unless it's actually respected. And, and unfortunately, I think that we're coming to a point where it's this um, – it's going to be decision time. And it's going to be decision time probably within our lifetimes, I would say. Yeah. By the way, if you know, you said you said earlier you're not an artist. I got to tell you, man, I I believe that you're an artist. If you think back, you're you're a history teacher. If you think back to the first art we saw, what was it? Drawings on cave on cave walls, right? 
What did they yeah. draw? What were they drawing on there? What were they showing? They were showing people how to hunt, how to defend themselves. You know, so I, I think I feel like we are artists. That's why I do this. That's why I do it. And, and, and that's why you're here. That's why you have your channel and you do the things that you do. That's why you're a teacher, you know, but these things will live after us. Hopefully that our brothers and sisters and sons and daughters that come after us live in a better world and not a worse world. But regardless of the world that they live in, we're, we're trying to leave our mark on the cave wall so they can so they can have some kind of roadmap. Right. That's what this is about. Yeah. I, I'm just, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for it all. You know, I, I look back on, on all the times when, you know, I could have been uh, killed and, uh, you know, I look back on all the times where, you know, I really, I mean, this is to me, this is entirely borrowed time and uh, I'm just grateful for every day. You know, I'm grateful for, um, for every opportunity that I get to, to maybe even influence this. And I'll, I'll tell you a story. Um, a couple months ago it happened. I was speaking in front of a large audience in uh, Virginia. It wouldn't be the first time. I mean, I've spoken in Virginia several occasions, and they're my neighbors. I can see them from my property. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember after I, I spoke, I spoke in front of like 500 people. There's a lot of people in this auditorium. And this young girl came up to me, and it, which is cool because I've always had a connection with like teenagers. When I was teaching high school, like whether they're you know, 15, 16, 17, 18 years old, I've always had this connection with them because – you know, they're very receptive to reality, I think, in that age bracket. And um, this young girl, she came up to me, and there's a lot of people that I was talking to afterwards. I mean, they shook your hand, and, you know, it was great. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I enjoy it. But the one person that stood out was this young teenage girl. I think she was like 16. Yeah, she told me she was 16 years old. And very, I mean, just a very unique young lady. And uh, and she tells me, she said, I just want to let you know, like, I normally can't listen to anybody talk for more than, like, a minute or two and then I just like zone out you know she goes but she goes I listened to what you had to say and you know I I made up my mind tonight you know that I'm willing to do whatever it takes to keep this country free and for me to keep my bearing in that moment dude it took all the discipline that I've had to learn the last 20 years man 21 years Mm-hmm. I, I I didn't want to break down, you know, because you got all these people around you, and, and so I didn't. And uh, you know, I kind of kept my bearing and I kept it inside. And um, and I kind of looked at her stunned. I mean, I looked at her just just like almost like you got hit by lightning. And I and I looked at her and I said, if every American gun owner had a tenth of your resolve right now, we would have been a free country a long time ago. And you've shown me more courage than all the loudmouths, all the idiot ammo buyers and gun buyers. And uh, and, I, and I looked at her and I, and I said, you're somebody special and I don't ever want you to lose that fire that you've got inside you right now. And um, I'll, I'll never and, – and, and see, that's just one of many moments, Hank, that, that mm-hmm. people have, have done this you know, in my pre- – that's just one of many moments. But I've got a 16-year-old girl with more guts. Uh, than the biggest FUD in the United States of America. You know? Gives you hope for the future, man. That's all they do. That's all the high school students that I taught ever did. I still talk to so many of them. They call me, they email me, they text me. I, I, I still talk to all these, and they're in their early 20s now. And so, you know, like they, they rejuvenate me, man, and like a non-vampiristic, you know, kind mm-hmm. of thing. Like, you're, like rather than like sucking their life force away from them, they they give me 
that that hope and I look at this younger group of people and I'm like wow like I mean it reminds me of so many people in my generation I'm a Gen Xer and I'm sure you are too but Mm -hmm. I mean it gives it gives me this whole like rejuvenation like yeah you know the ones that came after us although there's so many good millennials out there there's there's horrible ones as well I mean they're worse than the hippies at least the hippies are trying to expand rights for other people these millennials are trying to take them away the the statist leftist ones like the Bernie voters Mm -hmm. but um you know, I, I look at, at so many good people out there, and I realize there's so many good people in this country. And so I don't get down about it. I don't get depressed. And I don't think uh, that the solution is to bug out and leave this this country. I, th- I think leadership is sorely needed. And, you know, even my parents, you know, God, I love them to death. And they're wonderful people and hardworking, and they taught me so many of my values. But my parents, um, you know, they tell me all the time, they're like, son, like, like what you say to people, you know, what you do, it, it matters, you know. And, and so I didn't want to be in this role. I didn't want to be, you know, I thought I had another 10, 15 years before it would be this. But it's scary, man. Um, and not scary as in like, you know, a shutdown way. I, I look at it as, as like an oddball thing. And it's a very, I should say sudden. It's a very sudden thing. Mm-hmm. And it's when, weird. Yeah. Well, when your calling comes, you know, you you have to either take the call or not, you know, but once I you take it. it, you know, you're, you're connected to it. It's a thing that you have to do. Listen, I don't, I, I don't want to, you know, I, I mean, I could keep, I could keep doing this, but <laughs> you know, I don't want to, I mean, I don't want to, you know, I know, you know, it's dark out there. You're cold. There's people like, Oh, Reed's cold. You I'm know? not cold. I'm, I'm warm. Like I said, I told you about the Lord Nelson, you know, the zeal yeah. for his country kept him warm, but yeah, two hours went by in the blink of an eye, man. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It, it did. And what I'm going to do is, uh, I'm sure that this video is bifurcated now. It's like in two pieces and probably one piece. I don't know. We might never get it back. But I, I, I do have that video here, hopefully, if all the software works properly. So what I'll do for folks who are looking at this, and this is a shorter version, if they let this one if they let this one live out there, I'll put those two things together before I leave here tonight. And I'll make sure that I get that up and I'll rip out the audio and all that kind of stuff. And when I get a chance, I'll, I'll make some snippets out of this and uh and throw it up as well just just because i think there's a lot of wisdom here and um you know i i know that it needs to it needs to go out in the world um but i I don't want to wrap this up until we ask about uh patriot nurse you know how's rachel doing she's good man she's good i mean she's she was traveling i mean she went out and um she's she's a traveler man she's like this world traveler person and um you know she she enjoys it, you know. She enjoys it like a hundred thousand times more than I do, and so mm-hmm. um, she's got me, her I own just, power too, you know. I mean, she's got her own calling too. So yeah, she's, you know, I mean, I mean, she's a, a amazing person. I, I think mm-hmm. like for a person like her, you know, she's uh, she's definitely unique, and she's got her own her own she's got her own connection with with things. I, I'm. I'm not nearly as outgoing as she is, you know, I, I, I'm a very private person. Um, I, I've always has, I've always have been a private person and, uh, she's much more extroverted than me. She's much, she's a lot nicer person than I am, you know, uh, and I'm nice until I can't be nice anymore. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll throw hands at the drop of a hat, man. Yeah. You know, I've, I've seen, you know, I've seen Patriot nurse, uh, you know, she's she's one business when she has to also. She's, she, she will, man. She's just very reluctant to do it. And I mean, mm-hmm. she's just, you know, she's a much kinder soul than me. Um, you know, she's, uh, 
you know, and she's she's probably a lot more spiritual, man. But like, you know, for me, I, you know, I love, you know, I love the Lord, I love God, I love, you know, this country. But, uh, you know, I recognize, you know, for me, it, it's it's, uh, you know, my role is is definitely going to be the um, the person that that prepares people for all this, and and her role is to prepare in her own way and to prepare other people in her own way. But, um, you know, I don't I don't have any. Uh, illusions of of living to be 70 80 90 years old i i wouldn't want to do that you know i'm in great shape now i'm feeling wonderful i'd i want to live a full life but you know in the words of colonel travis you know i'd, I'd rather live one hour as a lion than a lifetime as a lamb <laughs> okay good one good one um okay so here i'm gonna wrap i'm gonna wrap this up here for the folks like i said uh, before i do that uh what can the people do out there who want to follow up with you more uh, or maybe want to communicate with you after this or take a class or something like that. How can those folks do that? How, and also, how can they support you? Oh, I, you I'm out? not. Yeah, and I appreciate that. I appreciate the plug, man. I, I'm not looking for support. I just, um, you know, people want to come out and take a class, go to ValerieRidge.com and, and look at what we have. I mean, you're what you invest in yourself is going to be there for a lifetime. And so, you know, obviously our classes, there's no substitute for that. And um, Facebook, you can follow me on that. And um you know, if, if you want to get the books, I mean, they're available on Amazon. And, uh, other than that, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, I don't look for any support. I just, um, I know you yeah. don't, I know you don't, but I know there's folks out there who do also, you know, want to, uh, do something to contribute to what you're doing, man. Um, oh, you know, I know those folks are out there and, and I, I, you know, I invite people to do that, reach out to him, uh, take a class out there, get the book, uh, follow follow him on YouTube. He's always got some very inspirational videos. I look at your stuff all the time, man. That's <laughs> some, I don't look at a lot of gun things that are going on just because it will drive me crazy with all the yeah. editing that I'm doing about gun stuff. But every now and then, I'm like, oh, we put up a thing. I, I think I might need to stop and take a look at this. <laughs> no, I you appreciate know, so. it. I, I don't, you know, I, I can't, I mean, I don't upload as much as I can. I mean, keep in mm -hmm. mind, I'm, my internet speed uh, when I'm out at my place is generally like, 30 kilobytes a second so it takes me all day to upload a video unfortunately at, at tyler's tonight you know yeah. and so that's why yeah big shout out to tyler yeah he wants a shout out man. For, for, for providing the internet over here we appreciate you tyler you know we yeah. got to get this guy on here thanks a lot tyler we appreciate it man yeah i appreciate you man i'm a big fan of the show i love you guys so i love what you do man Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Tyler. I really, I really do appreciate that. All right. So we're going to, we're going to wrap this. I'm sorry. What was Tyler saying? What did he what just did say? say, man? I said, just keep doing what you're doing. You're awesome. Absolutely. Thank you, brother. Will do. All right. So listen, guys, we're going to get out of here. I'm not going to do a show tomorrow. I'm going to do stuff with Sam Andrews. Uh, I'll see you guys on Monday. I just really want to thank my brother, Reed Henricks for uh, coming in, man. It's been a long time. I need to get out there and uh, do some training with you. I think once, once we get through all of this, I'll make a road trip. I'll bring one of my crazy rides up there. <laughs> Dude, and you got some crazy ones, man. You got some crazy. You're like, I'm not like a sports car guy, but you made me look like think about it. I mean, I'm not going to yeah. do oh, it, but you made me think about oh, it. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I'm, I'm crazy about cars, man. So yeah. uh, I'm always flipping through them. I, trust me, you don't even want to know. Lola is like, seriously, you got an issue. But uh, listen, I really do appreciate you, man. I thanks so much for coming on. Stay safe out there. Keep doing what you're doing. Please keep motivating um, and educating the folks out there, okay? Hey, that's, a, that's a guarantee, man. And uh, as long as I'm conscious and awake and alive, it's going to happen. 
Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So guys, I want to thank Harry's Holsters for sponsoring us. I want to thank all you guys for being here. Uh, make sure you go to HankStrange.com. Uh, sign up for our email list. We're giving away stuff on there. You can figure out all the different ways to support us and stuff like that. Stay right there, Reed. I'm going to drop the end of the video. Thanks, everyone. Be safe. We'll see you on the other side of this. Um, here, let me drop the end. Also, I'm going to talk over the end. Make sure you guys subscribe. Thumbs up. Ring the bell so you can be notified. Uh, we're on audio, so you can get us on iTunes, Podbean, Spreaker, uh, Spotify, all that kind of good stuff where you where you get these things. You can find us there. Thanks so much to everyone. Reed, stay right there. Guys, we're out. Peace. See ya.